Hey, people! What's happening? Hey, it's Scott. We're back for another podcast. This is episode 004 for those of you keeping count at home. What did I do today? Well, I'm glad you asked. I went and hung out with the parents and my brother and my sister-in-law. We went out to the lake, ate at this restaurant there on the deck. It was beautiful. I don't know where you're at today, but today in southeast Tennessee was amazing. Now, it's it's a little humid, so if you don't like heat and humidity, you're not going to like it. But me, I don't care. I likes it. Now, a few weeks ago, I was invited to dinner with a bunch of people I didn't know. Now, how did they find me, and why do you go to dinner with people you don't know? Because you want to meet people you don't know. I mean, how are you going to meet people you don't know if you don't go out and meet people you don't know? So, I got invited. Now, this dinner was titled as a pagan night out. Well, that intrigued me. As you know, I'm not a pagan. Don't really know what a pagan is. The closest thing to a pagan that I can think about was that movie from the 80s called Dragnet with Dan Aykroyd and Tom Hanks. That's the closest thing. I'll talk about that a little bit in this podcast coming up, too. However, I decided, hey, what else I got to do? Let's go out there and see what this is all about. Went out, met these people, talked to them. Well, the lady that put it together... Her name is Angela Wilson, and Angela intrigued me. And while we were talking, we started talking about some uh, locations here in my area that she talks about having ley lines and vortexes and energies, and she talks about these spirit things. And I'm like, this is way too woo-woo. I want to know more. I got to talk to her. So a couple weeks go by, and I just message her on the Facebooks. I said, hey, Angela. Would you be interested in doing my podcast? And she said yes. So we sat down and we chatted. Now the conversation's about two hours long. And we do chase some rabbits. But you know what? We find some things out. I discover some things. I learn some things. And I hope you do too. I hope you're just as fascinated as I was. As a result, I've got to talk to some interesting people. I've got some great conversations coming up, um, and you're one of them. So let's introduce yourself. Well, hello. I'm Angela Wilson. I am the art druid of the Ways Tradition. I am in charge of a local uh, teaching group as well called the Congregation of the Cedars, and my order is spread out pretty much all over the eastern part of the United States. We do have some um, orders that are groves that are in um, other parts of the world as well. So um, it's really interesting to be discovered. Um, discovered. In my own area when the world knows who I am. <laughs> That's so right. it's really interesting. But um, uh, yeah, I teach and talk all over the world and uh, I, I, I enjoy talking to people and meeting new people and it's a pleasure to be here with you steve no. scott <laughs> that's right no it's so. the dinner the other night that's right scott not i remember steve. that you introduced <laughs> me to steve. you will be scott not steve i uh there was a time in my life and i told a girl my name was steve <laughs> i didn't want to know who i was <laughs> <laughs> we'll just yeah, we'll just let that go for now. But we're both children of the 80s. I can tell that. So that's we true. We probably did a lot of things then that we really don't. I'm so glad we didn't have social media then. You know, 
<laughs> Listen, we wouldn't have survived the 80s if every move we made was on social media. I was talking to somebody the other day about this. Um, you know, growing up in the 70s and the 80s, we didn't have helmets. We didn't have, I mean, we, we played with freaking lawn darts. You remember those lawn darts? Yes, lawn darts. We didn't have seatbelts. And, you know, it's a lost skill along with cursive writing is being able to grab a seat with your butt cheek. <laughs> That's right. You know, I mean, literally, I mean, right. you had to pay attention. No, we rely on that belt to hold us out now. <laughs> yeah, and it's like we've lost that ability to grab stuff with our butts. Now, listen, this is a, this is a lost art. This is a lost art. That's and right. this is why so many people get hurt now, I think, in wrecks, because they've forgotten how to grip their butt. It's, it's an art that needs to be brought back. How do you bring that back? Do we do like a... We could do test runs. You know? or, I mean, would there be like a uh, bike that you have? You know, you have those stationary bikes at home because you have like some sort of stationary thing in your house that's you're riding along, watching a big screen, and all of a sudden there's a big wreck. You have to exercise grabbing with your butt. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that, that's your new million dollar idea. Yeah, that's my new million dollar idea. And, and, and to be honest with you, I, I think the skills that we developed to stay alive as children in, in that era. You know, made us stronger people. Well, I agree. I mean, and, no, and in my conversation today about this, I said, "Look, granted, I'm glad we became aware that kids standing up in the back seat of a moving vehicle at 70 miles an hour was not a good thing. Uh, I'm glad we became aware. I, I today, if you were to see someone driving down the road with your grandkids in the back of the car standing up, you'd, you'd freak out." Yes, or are you, do you remember how you used to have like an area in the back of the car where you could lay down in the back window? <laughs> lay down in the back window. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. You know, we never thought anything about it. And, you know, we never knew anyone that got hurt from doing that. Just like we never heard of anybody getting sick, eating raw cookie dough, right. drinking out of the hose in the yard. Um no, I know. I know. So it makes you wonder about who Then Ralph Nader. Ralph Nader. Ralph Nader did it. He came along and um, he came along and said, "Hey, this is bad." And Ralph Nader started that whole campaign for seatbelts. Well, it's probably because he had weak butt muscles and couldn't, <laughs> he couldn't grab the seat like he could. Ralph Nader's got weak butt muscles. <laughs> Breaking news, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> you heard it here <laughs> you heard it live. Here <laughs> so, what's an arc druid? Did I say that right? Yeah, arc druid. An art druid is basically a, a government title. I'm an elected official. That means that I'm in control of all of these people that are underneath me. And Elected by who? Elected by each group. Has, I, I didn't hear about that election. Uh, <laughs> do not tell anyone in this town that there are elections outside of Athens that take okay. place. Okay? I, don't, I really don't want certain individuals <laughs> participating in it participating in anything that has to do with this they're eating um so <laughs> <laughs> anyway um each each congregation of the order has a druid that is in charge of teaching in that grove and each one of those druids um votes on who they want to be the next uh, elected leader of the order so um we just had our art druid pass away oh, and sorry. so thank you and they all nominated me um to be the the new leader the new face of our order 
And I'm one of the, the few women in the world that is an art druid. Um, as a matter of fact, at my um, big initiation in front of about 500 people, mm-hmm. um, they knitted a, a gray beard for me to wear. Well, I was going to say, you don't look like Gandalf or Merlin. No, no, I don't. Even though I, I could if I had on my knitted beard. <laughs> That's right. But they were always, even back in into our mythologies, there were there were female druids. So it's not that I didn't do can't. a lot of research prior to this podcast. Um, but um, but other, you're right. I did find out that, that it's not just a male-dominated and I, as thing. Speaking of male-dominated, I've got lipstick all over me. Anyway talking about butt gripping i guess i don't know what happened there um um so all the art druids in the world we kind of get together and we talk about things in our area and how we can make our area better and uh, network with each other Mm -hmm. so it's not like uh, it's you're isolated so the heads of all these groups around the world we, we we talk and we communicate and um fortunately for them they're not elected for life they have like term limits but my order in their um unique wisdom many years ago decided that it was for life and so it's a uh, wow yeah i'm 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 here for the dura- i'm here for the duration now you could step down if you wanted yeah. yes am i correct or is I that just good but that just doesn't happen right um no, I, I can see that, but if all of a sudden something come up in life and you're like, you know what, guys? Well, I have a I second. In, I this. have a second in command, so that second in command would take over <clears throat> and do whatever needs to be done in the interim. Okay. So. So. For me and people listening, what is a druid? Druidry or druid? What is druid? What is a druid? Okay, if you Because I saw a pretty broad definition. There is a huge discrepancy in what a druid is. And I don't I guess discrepancy is the wrong word. It's more like if you have eight druids in yeah. if you have eight druids in a room and you, you ask them that, different ideas. No, you're gonna have about hundred and seventy two <laughs> different ideas and, and, and out of eight. Out of eight people, um, we're master debaters. And um <laughs> Most of us do wear glasses. So debaters, master debaters, and, folks. Yeah, I said master debaters, <laughs> and I said we mostly wear glasses. Um, so I was making a sly bardic joke. Um, anywho, right? What we were and are is we were the learned people of the Tuath, which means clan. That was the lawyer, the judge, the doctor. Um, the priest Mm -hmm. so we were everything and we were also um, the person that the king of uh, whichever people we were working with people group or that whatever that clan group right um, we would be the advisor for everything so we were the um, so I hate trust in Wikipedia but yes Wikipedia (laughs) Everything you just said is something that I read on there. It, this, what I read was that uh, the Druids, just like you said, were the learned people. They were uh, usually most educated. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, they were advisors. Um, also read that there's no unifying text. Like Muslims have the uh, what's their book? 
The Quran. The Quran. Christians have the Bible. Jews have the Torah. Uh, Indians have the Bhagavad Gita. I, I think I, I always mispronounce that one. Bhagavad So, which is an amazing. Have you ever we, read that? Yes, I loved it. And that we'll see with with being a druid to go back into something. I discussed this with some people earlier. We learn basics for every religion that we come in contact with. So we could be a priest to anybody at any given time. And right. so Druids, we, we tended to travel and learn different things from different cultures in different places and, and bring that home. And if we were ever traveling and someone needed a priest or needed to be advised about someplace outside of where they were, we had that knowledge readily available to us. So it sounds like something that I believe, which uh, a lot of people in my circles didn't like, um, there's a thing called a universal truth. Yeah. Yes. So Islam may have a truth and Christianity may have, it's just a universal truth. To be honest with you, every Aboriginal religion at its core base is the same around the world. On some very basic things. Basic level. It, yeah. it is the same. And it's man that changed and added things to it. The dogma. Of it. Right, the dogma, the different sects, the different right. religions or now, the d- denominations within it. One of the things that you'll also hear about Druids is that we died out, that we were all killed at Anglesey in, in the 500 BCs uh, by uh, the Romans. Now, if you go back and talk about the most learned people on the face of the planet being on an island called Anglesey, and you're watching two... Well, let's see, 20,000 Roman legions marching towards you, and you're on an island, and they've got to build bridges mm-hmm. to get to you. And you're standing there going, hey, I wonder what they're doing. Hey, come over here and sit on the beach and watch this with me. And and you sit there and watch these people, you know, just walk on up to you and just kill you. That didn't happen that way. All well, right. Kind of get out. Yes. Um, and what happened was, is at the same time that was going on, Boudicca was also launching her attack on London. So it was a distraction to split the Roman um, army up so Boudicca could go in and, you know, lay waste to London. So by the time they called those troops back and left the other people alone, Anglesey, Boudicca had already done her damage. Now, if you talk about the Roman progression through Europe, they never made it to Ireland and northern Scotland, Mm -hmm. which is where my tradition comes from, is um, Ireland. So it was never conquered by Rome. So Druidry lasted well on into the Christian times, and it just kind of went underground. Right, because what I also read was there wasn't really a resurgence of Druidry until... 1700s. I was going to say 16. Late 16, early 1700s. And that would have been through the the Welsh Gorsets by a gentleman whose nickname was Lolo. And what he did is he went around and gathered up fragments in Britain and in Wales, and he kind of created this... um, type of reconstructionism almost like the the freemasons all that kind of sprang out of that same time the secret mm-hmm. societies you know it was very nouveau at the time i wish i'd done more research and i i probably will after this but um <clears throat> like you said late 16 early 1700s 
it came back and they said a lot of the problem was that well like i said earlier there's no unifying text to go back right to. we were oral tradition because right. we, we were afraid to write it down honestly because they we didn't want it to fall into the hands of other people now we did create our own learning um system and it took 20 years to become a druid you went to a druid college and those druid colleges were set up in several different locations in europe and just because you wanted to go didn't mean you could go you had to either be chosen or born into a family line okay. of druids so today if i all of a sudden just woke up and said hey Angela, I want to be a druid. What's the process? The process would be is I would interview you. <laughs> right. And then you would come to class um, for a year. Okay. And then I would evaluate you throughout that year. And at the end of that year, I would say, okay, you can start training. And the first, it's not an entry level because they're equally important. But the first level that we teach is something called an ovate, ovate, and that would have been your diviners, anybody that dealt with the divine. So that would have been, um, if you were going to read entrails, we don't do that now, but in the in classical sense, that would have been somebody who was doing divination. Um, the second one would level would have been bard. Now, the bard would have been the wordsmith, the keeper of the oral tradition and histories of the people. Okay. And um, then you have the Druid. And then the Druid um, would be a culmination of those things. Also becoming a Brehon, which would be um, a master of the Brehon laws in Ireland, which are, if anybody has a chance to look those up, especially after an election, you want to talk about a system that was far beyond its time. Um that is amazing because it, it's a holistic approach to law as opposed to medicine. So each individual situation was looked at and dealt with extremely fairly um, and immediately. So I guess what I'm hearing is that when I first think of Druid, I'm thinking of a, uh, a religion and, mm-hmm. and, what you're describing to me isn't so much a system of faith as it is a system of knowledge. It's a system of knowledge that also, first and foremost, is a system of knowledge. Right. And then you have the aspects of religion that are attached to it, but it's, it's almost like it's secondary to the knowledge and wealth and wisdom Wisdom was the word I was looking for. Of of what's going on. And um, one of the things that I decided to change, because so much of what traditionally is done in training in in druidry across the board, across the world, actually, is that you go back into the ancient myths and you learn almost like parables in the Bible or, you know, like um, Socrates and all that stuff. They taught in parables. So... For me, I thought it was really important um, to look at your area where you're at and learn those things and stories of your area. So with my students, we go around and we learn the stories and histories of where we are Mm -hmm. and apply that knowledge on top of those stories and use those stories to teach. Because 
If you've never been to Ireland, and if you can't pronounce Gaelic words, you kind of get lost in that. But you can say Mary Jo Bob Bill. You know, so if you have Mary Jo Bob Bill that has this story that you can teach from, then why not use something here locally that you can use? Well, speaking of parables, I mean, that's exactly what, uh, you know, if you go back to the Bible, Jesus did. He used Uh stories that were there with those people. Um, which I often get frustrated when I hear people teaching about them and they're trying to teach about them today. And I'm like, you need to go back then and find out what he was talking about and go a little deeper, find out what was going on with those people. But often they don't. Now, one of the things I did read is that, and we'll, you know, we'll talk about the myths or the misconceptions. Um, and correct me. Okay. And and. I don't know you well, but I know you well enough to know that you will. I will. Promise. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Promise. Uh, a druid could be polytheistic or mono, monotheistic. Yes. A druid, you can actually be a Christian yes. or a non-Christian yes. and still be a druid. Yes. So that fascinated me because I— Because, well, again, it's about the knowledge. It's the knowledge. It's because the, we were the the keeper of the—I mean, we watched the skies. I mean, we were the keeper of the calendar. I mean, we told people when it's time to plant and when it's not. Now, you have to remember back in this time frame, people were terrified of death because death was on the doorstep at any given moment. Well, you had so, plagues, you had, uh, yes. you had invaders. So you had—the year was divided up in light and dark. Okay, mm-hmm. so it was our job to tell people, okay, this is, you need to get things planted now because you've got X amount of time before this is going to happen, and you better have it ready to put up because that's when the dark time is coming, which would be winter. So the farmer's almanac, the planting all that in ties the, in. Is, it's the same does that thing. Come back to that? That's all the you know. It's the old ways. What we teach is the old ways. How many of you all have ever had your grandmother talk to you about the cobwebs? Well, they're building the cobwebs high this year. That means the snow's gonna. See, this is the things we would have monitored and watched. So in in okay, so I grew up in this intersection, right? Mm-hmm. This intersection where my my grandparents were illiterate, mm-hmm. but man, they could tell you you plant in the hill, or you you know they told Eggs. you what signs to plant by. Yes, they knew yes. this stuff. Yes, and because to, their life depended on it. Their life depended on, it. and they and they knew the signs. And I grew up in this time where I didn't have to do that. I didn't grow up on a farm, so in one sense, to me, there's a bunch of woo woo, bunch sure. of woo woo superstition involved with it. Uh, but in the other sense. I look back at this calendar and these signs in that farmer's almanac, and I think they got something creepy figured out there. It's it's the ancient knowledge, and then it all ties together. And I know people get had gotten so wonky with me. You know, you're some sort of devil worshiper, and I'm like, if you consider science the devil, then you know, I guess I'm a devil worshiper. But when it comes to religion, on that aspect of it, you know, a lot of the groups, and I'm a little different. Um, are order started it came to the united states um different families Mm -hmm. um back in the late 1600s and we kind of all migrated through maryland and kind of worked our way down through into the south but each family had a piece of something i'm not saying that we had every answer but each one of the people the clans of people that came up here we had some of this and that so we were more of a deistic um deistic meaning deistic meaning um, our founding fathers were deistic, by the way. 
I'm sure are. Oh, uh, you talking about our founding fathers of the country? Yes, of our country were deistic. Yeah, they so were deists. We moved here under the auspice of being deistic, which means God created everything and then just took off and said, "You got this." Okay, that's it in a nutshell. If you want to break it down, I mean that's 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 the layman's term. Yeah, I like to teach, keep it it simple, but that's basically the the it of it, you know. Yeah, and um, we hid in the uh, Masonic lodges and and all that, and then we came down and we founded a Druid college in Kentucky, and we formed a town called Bardstown, Kentucky. Been there. So that was our order. Years and years ago, we founded that town. I had no idea. See? I, I lived in Pineville, Kentucky, which is right there in the Cumberland Gap. Right. Uh, that's where I went to college. But I had no idea that Bardstown was... Well, there was actually a Druid college there, um, a Bardic college, until the 1950s. And at that time, there was a great gathering of the families together out of the mountains. And everybody showed up, and they got together, and they ratified the rules and and what our belief system would be into a uniform thing in the late 40s. So um, that's kind of how our group came, you know, into being. And then they kind of went back out into their mountains, and they kind of sequestered themselves. So we're really big on genealogy, so you can tie yourself back into those mountains and hollers of the original families. And, you know, so we all do that and we were very instrumental as an order fighting in king's mountain okay and what's really crazy about that is when i moved to athens i had no idea how significant my family was to this area and they fought at king's mountain they were deists and and everything and then i come here and there's like two big areas and cemeteries that are just my family and i'm like I, super, mm-hmm, something drew me here woo 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 a little bit of woo woo there uh, woo and woo but anyway i've i've been here for a while and um i'm very open about what i am and who i am and you know you could pass me on the street and not know what i am i was telling somebody that i was going to be i didn't mention your name i just said i'm i'm interviewing this lady and and um she teaches druidry and she's a druid an arc druid and i don't really know what that is i'm gonna find out and they're like and they're like really aren't you worried i'm like worried about what <laughs> i said look if you were to if you were to walk into walmart and see her you'd think oh she's a she's a beautiful woman with her grandkids and you would think nothing else of it you would think nothing else of it exactly. she's an amazing woman you just sit down and talk to her so i'm not i'm not worried um but and i don't know what people would be worried about i to me i'm i'm a seeker i like we all should be Um, and we should never stop learning and never stop expanding your mind because i think when you stop learning you die just a little bit inside oh absolutely absolutely when i look back on the the dark days of my life Mm -hmm. right uh i was doing nothing I was just getting up and going through life and going coming the motions. home and doing nothing. I wasn't learning. I wasn't expanding. I wasn't doing nothing. And how did I get out of it? I started doing something. You know, <laughs> you just start doing stuff, and and eventually you get out of it. Um, now, will that work for everybody that's listening to this? I'm not going to say that. If you need help, go get help. Sure. But, absolutely. Um, for me, that was my help. So... Um, 
there's no there's no unifying text. It's all oral tradition, which I'm assuming a lot of it's probably been lost. Oh gosh, yes. There's more been lost than what's known. Right. And there's but there is a process to go from the novice to being there is a structure in place and it's like going to college and there are some um basic tenets that you have to have in place first um age is not as important to me but you have to have at least a high school diploma because it is very much like sitting down in a classroom it's not like going to a traditional church and sitting down and having someone preach to you i'm teaching to you which means i expect notes and you have homework and you have tests and then we go out in the field like if i teach you about vibration and frequency which everything is made up of and we're going to talk about ley lines and ley lines are the magnetic um, veins if you want to look at it that way the nervous system of the planet and I want to take you to a vortex which is where two things can intersect and could cause issues and put you inside of one then you're forever going to know what that is and how to find it I don't just do book learning i actually physically take you out because i think sometimes if you sit and you hear this stuff you go yeah right i've heard about ley lines and vortexes uh, a long time and i'm always sitting there going you guys are crazy (laughs) there's no such thing as that that stuff doesn't work but they were telling me about some place I have to go back and look it up, but they were talking about some place where there's like a uh, a bunch of circles. What's that called? Uh, uh, Sedona? Are you talking about here in the States? Yeah, where you can walk in the middle of that circle and talk and nobody can hear you from the outside of it. Oh, that's on uh, the border of something. I can't remember now off the top of my head, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Right. And I would have... I would have discounted that all day long. Uh, a f- guy I know and I trust was influential in my life as a child has been there and done that. And he says, no, it it's real. Well, you got to look at this, too. And you're missing a big obvious one about the ley lines. How do you think animals migrate? That freaks me out. I got hummingbirds in my at the house, right? And I got the looking up these freaking hummingbirds i mean little bitty things they'll fit inside this cup Mm -hmm. they fly away to south america or mexico Mm -hmm. to the same spot the the same same route exact spot all these hummingbirds go back to the exact monarch butterflies do that yeah birds salmon turtles how do you think these things can go back to their home where they were born it freaks me out. I, okay. I used to live in the Pacific Northwest. I know what you mean when you talk about these salmon. So, they go back to the exact spot they were born, whether well, it's a hatchery. They went back to when they were caviar. Right. Okay, so think about that. Right. How do they do that? They follow I, the ley lines, okay? And ley lines can go off planet as well. It connects the whole universe together. So now we're getting to some Marvel Universe stuff. <laughs> no, that's how we're all connected. Energy is energy, and it's all connected. Well, I believe in the connection because um, how many times have you gotten a uh, a text message or a phone call from somebody and you think I was just thinking about them? Absolutely. 
I, I believe there's... That's called sympathetic magic, by the way. What's that? Sympathetic magic means like draws like. So okay. if you're sitting there going, gosh, I wish Joe Bob would call me. Joe Bob, I really wish you'd call me. And then the phone rings and it's Joe Bob. I do this with my husband all the time. If he goes to the store because he never takes his cell phone anywhere, God love him. <laughs> and and I forgot to tell him he, we need milk. I'll be like, we need milk. We need milk. And, you know, sure enough, he'll come home and goes, I don't know why, but I picked up milk. I hope we need it. And I'm like, yeah. Yes, we do. Thank you. Sympathetic magic. That's an interesting term to describe it, but because I know what you're saying. Um, there's things I don't understand in life, and there's, uh, and I think everybody has that. There's things I don't understand, and one of those things is this, this symbiotic thing that happens in dimensions that you can't explain like this sympathetic magic that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. You know, when I'm thinking about somebody and they text me or I'm thinking about somebody and they call me or I run into them at the store and you think, okay, that's just weird. Well, this but we is, have some sort of connection on the subconscious yes. and you're saying ley line level. Is that how you guys are uh, Well, that goes it? into quantum physics and that's how I teach what you're talking about is quantum physics. So this is what I'm talking about. We're not talking about let's all go grab a goat and dance naked in the woods and howl at the moon. I'm actually talking about you're, you're, you're physically learning science, quantum physics, to where if one atom touches another atom and they separate, they're forever going to be spinning in the same direction into infinity. They're forever touched by that connection. Okay. Okay? So when you're talking about this, you're talking about the interchange of energy. So whenever you meet someone, you affect that person forever. Right. So if you really want to talk to Billy Bob, just sending it out there is going to bring him to you. Now, you're talking about words and all that kind of stuff. What I caution people very, very strongly is about your words. Be careful what you manifest. Because do you ever wonder why spelling is called spelling? Spelling. I've never... Spelling. Okay, now you're blowing me. Because I'm blowing my mind because I've never thought about casting spells and spelling. And, and what I think you're about to tell me is this is very similar. It is. That's exactly where it came from. Spelling. Spell. Spelling. Okay. I'm the act sitting, of creating a spell. Okay. So what is a spell? All spell, a spell is is a prayer. There is no difference between a spell and a prayer. Period. I guess it depends on your definition of prayer. I got to. Okay. No, no, it doesn't. No, because my definition of prayer, and this is why I differ from Christians, some Christians on it, uh, they'll do like, I got, an, I got an unspoken prayer request. And I'm like, that's nowhere biblical. No, it's not. There's, it's, it's nowhere no, biblical. No, no. An unspoken prayer request. And then a lot of times they're they're going to prayer and they're begging, what I call begging. They're begging. Matter of fact, the word prayer means to beg, uh, the, where it came from, the Latin word. But if you go back to the Hebrew and the word there, it's 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 
it's totally different. Mm-hmm. There, the whole idea of of that is to be affected by the divine. You go into this, whether it's to be argument, argumentative, whether it's to be upset, whether it's to be seeking, you're going into this act of, uh, I don't want to say meditation or prayer because like I said, prayer means begging, but you're going into this, this act to be affected by the divine. Right. And you may be speaking things, this is where I'm wanting to go in my life or things I'm thinking about doing in my life. And there's this interchange between you and the divine that's taking place. Um, but the whole idea of an unspoken prayer request, I'm going in begging, God, please send some water to those children in the Congo. There's nothing I can do there. So it's not affecting me. So there's no point in this prayer. It's, 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 it's a, as Paul said, a clanging symbols. There's, there's nothing of benefit there. But a tornado hits my area. And I go into it, and I'm like, God, how can I, how can I be useful here? Mm-hmm. And then in that interchange, the divine reveals to me, oh, you've got like three generators sitting in your house. Why don't you take some generators out there? That's right. a different thing. So what you're saying is, is casting a spell as I'm speaking this uh, manifestation out. Yes. You're manifesting your desire. Right. Which is no different than a prayer, because a prayer is your desire, your need, your want. Right. So there's no difference whatsoever. So when I think of... The only... Well, I will, I will say this. There is a difference. Because at least for us, we believe that you have the power to manifest things yourself. Because you come from the divine. The divine lives within you. I mean, we have minerals inside of us that came from exploded stars you have the power of the universe mm-hmm. within your body and i from my tradition i agree with you that you are part of the divine absolutely and um what i often tell people when, when people say well i don't like <clears throat> i don't like god because he's judgmental and i have to sit down to him with him and I say, okay let's think about future you Future you at 60 or 70 years old, where do you see future you? Well, I want to be here, here. Well, shouldn't future you be judgmental of stupid stuff you're doing now? Well, we teach. It's funny you brought that up because people say to me all the time, well, don't you feel fear hell or judgment? And I'm like, I don't fear hell because we believe that energy can't be destroyed. It can only be transformed and your soul is eternal. Right. So it can only be transformed into something else. Um, so we also teach that you are your judge. Exactly. Because you are your worst critic, your worst judge. Because you can't lie to yourself. You can lie to everybody else. Or you can try to lie to yourself. You can get away yeah. with it for a while, but, but it will catch up. It will catch up to you. And so we become our own judge at that point. So, you know, I get really frustrated with people. Well, how can you walk through life without God being your co-pilot? Because I'm resourceful and I have a brain and I can do it myself. You know, I'm not going to let go of the wheel, as the song says, and said, Jesus, I need you to drive my Jeep for me <laughs> right now. That's the dumbest song in the world. I hate you know, that song. Even the Bible talks about, you know, show yourself worthy. You know, do something. Don't just sit there on your laurels. Do something. One of my favorite passages in Scripture is, uh, and I'm going to butcher this. 
so I won't I won't I won't give specifics to it. But there's a character in the scripture who is on his face in prayer. Had a terrible tragedy in his life. He's on his face in prayer. On his face in prayer. On his face in prayer. And finally, God comes to in the prayer and says, "Get off your face and right. go do something. Dust off the ashes and yeah. get up and go." Right. Yeah. And that's what I used to teach people. Look, there, there is a point in everybody's life when quit contemplating it and get up and go do something. Do something about it. And I would, I guess I would argue with the person that you were just talking about. This is how do you go through life without God? I don't necessarily believe that you're going through life without God. You very much believe in a divine. Absolutely. You very much believe that you're you're an eternal soul, an eternal being. Well, even from a Christian standpoint, the Bible says, do not have any gods before me. Right. I tend to look at... Um, when you talk about paganism, you hear about all these different deities, all these different gods and goddesses, you know, like Zeus and all this kind of stuff, just to use some famous ones, you right. know, like Venus, Aphrodite. From mythology and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To me, I don't need that. I look at um, that as a diamond with many facets. Okay. And some people need to look through this facet to see the divine. Okay? Yeah. I look at the whole diamond. I don't need to have a bunch of different deities to have me be able to see God. Because no matter what you call God, God is God. There's Uni- a out there. Universal life force, um, we like to call um, that the all one, which is everything and nothing. It's nothing until you need it, and then it becomes everything. Yeah. It's that, it's that old saying, uh, there's not, there's never an atheist in a foxhole. Kind of, sort of, yeah. <laughs> but that's why I get so caught up in people being upset with me for not being Christian and, and several, uh, this lovely town that I call home, have attacked me for being this evil devil worshiping, I don't know what you would call it. But And I, and I sit and look at them and I'm like, you need Jesus. <laughs> Because, I mean, if you're going to quote me from your own work, I mean, you have just sat and cast stones at me. I, um, so I used to be a pastor, right? And mm-hmm. I was, uh, I'm, I'm trained as, a, uh, my, my degree's in theology. I was a Southern Baptist pastor. And one of my problems with uh, Christians then, and one of my problems with Christians now, is they're woefully ignorant. And some of them are ignorant of their own teachings, their own faith, uh, their own scriptures. And some of them not only are just ignorant, they want to remain ignorant, which to me is just choosing to be stupid. Well, they've never read their own book. They've, never they've read allowed it. ministers to give their opinion of it. It's like with divination. Right. That's another thing where someone goes to have their fortune told. Okay. So this discussion so, came up the other day. So, and I told somebody, I said, I'm doing a podcast on Friday. You got to listen to it. You're going to be interested in it. Let's talk about divination or uh But the psychics. Bible is filled with divination. What did the original forefathers in the Bible use to get the word of God? A yes and no answer. They used the Uman and the Thurman. Oh, I do remember this in Scripture, the Uman and the Thurman. They yes, cast the lots. They cast the lots to get yes and no answers. 
So if the priest of God oh. cast lots to get yes and no answers, how dare you come up to me and say that I can't foretell the future for someone who's in need? So is that something you do? I mean, yes. Okay. So how do I, I mean, you see these people at carnivals. Because we look at Tom as being non-existent. So while I'm sitting here with you, I'm also dead. I'm also a baby. I'm also somebody in the past. I'm somebody in the future. Mm-hmm. So Tom doesn't exist. Because mm-hmm. there's really no past. Because this is the past. This is the past. This is the past. Do you see? No, I do. And I... There, there is no past present and future well when they're just when we talk about god we talk about god being outside of time outside of time outside of time and so there is no time there is no time he's he's seen it all the 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 description we'd often give people is he's you know it's it's like you sitting on top of the courthouse and you see a parade coming by well you see the beginning the middle and the end of the parade now if i'm down on the street i just see the parade that's in front of me Mm -hmm. but if you're on top of the courthouse you see it all. There mm-hmm. is no start. And if you sit there long enough, you're going to see another one, another, another one. one, another one, another so one. So there is no Tom. And so we teach that there is no Tom. So how do I, being a layperson, know a true psychic versus a carny? Well. And I'm sorry for that. Well, see, there's a difference between what I do as a priest and what I would do to say somebody just walked up to me on the street and said, hey, can you tell me my future? Am I going to win the lottery? Um, What I do as far as what as priest, um, is this surgery going to be okay, Or am I making the right decision by moving here? Then you would do an elaborate consultation and look and, and go into Almost like in the Bible when it talks about you're going in your prayer closet, mm-hmm. you're going to go into a deep meditation to try mm-hmm. to get a divine message to give that person. So it's not unlike that. But uh, a carny, um, basically, you become a mentalist. There's okay. a difference. You're a mentalist as opposed to a psychic. Now, um, with. Uh, divination you can use tools and tie yourself into the divine for a more rapid answer okay. um cards or or whatnot um or om or runes or anything like that to where you truly can get an immediate answer not unlike the umen and the thurman your yes and no's and you can kind of get a, a guideline for your um path or what your answer needs to be but for the average joe blow you know i've got Hey, palm reader, show up in here. Um, you just have to be careful. Some of those are just mentalists. See, and that's the thing, because the, the discussion the other day, and it wasn't a deep discussion. It was just somebody posted something on Facebook, and I said, hey, I'm interviewing this lady on Friday. You're probably going to be really interested in this. Um, she's got questions in life. She's had some dreams. She's had some things like that, and she's wanting somebody to help her walk through this. Um. Now, when she mentioned this online, well, boy, she got blasted by some people who were oh, who were Christians, and uh, and she's a person of faith. But you got to look back at 
at Daniel. He was a dreamer. Right. And, you know, he was also given the title of the head magician of the court of Pharaoh. Right. Daniel. Right. So how dare they get jumped on? And I hate it when I become the pagan weirdo that's sitting here quoting scripture back at people to prove they're wrong. But it, it really irks me. It when irks they, me. And because you don't know what you're talking about when they do that. So and so when you were describing what it was that you do as a psychic, I'm sitting here thinking, okay, wait a minute. That's what I did a lot of times. In a counseling it, session in as a counseling minister. session. I'm not going to the woo-woo, I'm going to tell you your future. I'm, I'm really just helping you answer the own questions that you have within yourself. True. A lot but of times you, you also have, have divine inspiration, too. I have divine inspiration, and so do you. Yes. And so all I'm doing is facilitating and Absolutely. helping you find that truth that was so there's in no difference. you. There's See, no difference. See, that's what I'm telling you. It's just labels. It's labels. See, and that's what I love about conversations. Exactly. <laughs> And, you know, we would have already been stopped a thousand times. If we were having this conversation online, people would have been. Oh, uh, my God. It would have been horrible. You know, and if they knew where we were, I'm sure, uh, Scott, we'd go outside and there'd be pitchforks and torches. And, and that's fine. But you have to understand what I do is basically no different than what your grandmother and your great grandmothers and grandfathers did. So you're so when you're doing and, and I'm going to put a label on it because that's just the best way to that I can think of doing. When you're doing this psychic evaluation, this psychic session, in essence, you're doing a counseling. You're doing a guidance. Yes. You're helping now, somebody through these issues. Of I life. do have the ability to read energy. Um, we're trained to read energy because if we go into an area, going back to the ley lines, that may be clogged up with negative energy and whatnot, like say near a prison, if a main ley line goes through there, it could get clogged up with a lot of negative yuck and we'd have to go in there and clean that up. Well, the Maori farm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, um, anyway. oh, when I found out about the uh, gravesite we were talking about, did you? It was never tied to that church. It was a family gravesite, uh, Whispering Pines, oh, over okay. County. Yes. I told you my dad would know because my people's buried out there. <laughs> awesome. There's actually a great vortex that that's where I go train my students. Is on the the hill so, right there next to that uh, next to Whispering Pines. This, next to Whispering Pines for yeah. sure. So, I don't know where we were going, but. Um, Anyway, going back to reading well, we were talking energy, about negative psychics, energy being psychic. clogged up in psychic. So I can look at you and tell if your energy is out of whack. Mm -hmm. So that'll cause me to look deeper. And yes, there are certain things that I can do to look deeper into you to see what really is an issue and see what the best course of action is. But it's just another tool in counseling. Yeah, It's not something that, and that's free. You know, if you're my student uh -huh. and you're coming to me for that, I don't charge money for that. I mean... I don't even accept money when we do things. I mean, what church does that? Can I get an amen? Amen. I, I even go out and buy all of the learning material for my students because I know it can be hard to find and inexpensive, mm -hmm. and, and I charge nothing. They spend nothing but their time, unless we go on a field trip. Right, and then, but you canceled one this weekend. What yeah, was the purpose of going to Red Clay? Red Clay is... It, going back to your area, learning the lore and legends of your area and the energies there, the Got energy it. of the of that blue hole there is awesome. And 
um, let's face it, where we are, the um, Native Americans, especially the Cherokee, um, their legends and lore is very prominent here. So the more that you learn about that, the more you learn about the land you live on. So I find that to be very uh, informative for my students to go. As a matter of fact, um, we went to a function at um, the other Cherokee place, Fort Loudon, Yes. Not long ago. And we interacted with a lot of these people, and we were sitting and talking to some of the, the Cherokee storytellers from um, North Carolina. Okay. From okay, the okay. reservation. When you said we interacted with a lot of these people, I thought all of a sudden um, you're talking about and spirits and stuff. I was looking. <laughs> you have to do that. So I was looking at their, their Cherokee war clubs, and I made the comment to one of the gentlemen there. I said, that looks like an Irish shillelagh. And mm-hmm. he said, it's very interesting that you bring that up. He said, that's exactly what it's modeled after. The Cherokee War Clubs were fashioned after the Irish shillelaghs when they came over. The, the Scotch-Irish came over here to the mountains. They would take the boat paddles mm-hmm. and they would carve out their war clubs to look like the shillelaghs. So from the time that the Irish settlers came into the Appalachians, the war clubs took on the look of an Irish shillelagh. And I was like, that's very relevant pieces of lore to pass on. It is. And people, I guess in my generation, don't understand the uh, influence that the Scotch and the Irish have in Appalachia. Oh, they have no idea. They have no idea. Language, um, music, food, music, grass, I mean, d- dance, dance, air, the clogging, um, you know, everything that we do has a deep tie to that. But the other thing you mentioned the Cherokees, I didn't understand. Mind you, I grew up here in Athens and I left in my early 20s and just came back. And when I came back, I found out that the Trail of Tears, which is a very sad, sad thing, uh, started because of a trial that took place down at the courthouse. Um, uh, some Cherokee natives had killed a man. They went on to Cherokee land and arrested the two guys and were trying them at this courthouse here in Athens. And their attorney pointed out that, look, they were outside of the jurisdiction of the sheriff. Mm-hmm. He had no right to go onto that land and arrest them. And so they, these two guys walked away free. As a result, the United States government said, okay, fine, we'll remove the Cherokees. Well, you've got Watauga that's not too far away. Okay. And then you've got the Nancy Ward uh, gravesite, which, I've not been there yet. listen, let me explain to you. If you want to go into a vortex, I go up there and lead ritual all the time on the top of that hill where she's buried. It is the most peaceful, energetic. I mean, you'll feel your skin crawl. Really? It is amazing. So I will go do guided meditations and stuff with my students and lead ritual up there. And when I start, and I don't do anything weird. I mean, I, I do stuff with squirt guns and stuff. People don't even know what I'm doing. And, and, and you'll look up, everybody's gone. And then we go have a big picnic down by the river. Uh-huh. But I'm telling you that there are places here. You don't have to travel to Stonehenge. You don't have to travel to Sedona. We live in the oldest mountains in the world. And the energy here is amazing. You just got to know where to look and how to find it. So what happens? I go find these ley lines. A, how do I find a ley line? I mean, is there a map? Is, it, is there an app on my phone? No. Is there where ley lines you have at? to watch 
the foliage, how it grows. I mean, you have to really get down on that level. You know, how, how things work and how animals react and how you feel. And a lot of times you, you may see me wobbling. I'll do like this rocking back and forth because I'm going, what does it feel like over here? What does it feel like over here? Okay, there it is. You know, I mean, because you're literally trying to feel it out. Or you could do um, divining rods and different things of that nature okay, to I've find it. that. Like water witching, you know, I've where you find that. water. People thought I was crazy. I grew it up works. watching my papa do it. See, that is a form of <laughs> magic. Now, listen. People thought I was crazy. That's the old ways that we teach and follow and try to preserve. And how many, I'm sure a lot of the old folks around here know all about water witching. Yeah. Well, I, and I was taught this as a child. And I'm in Bible college, by the way. And the college I went to, they didn't map out the water lines the different houses right? right and so i knew that i was working for campus operations and uh the old man i worked with his name was duke the guy's passed on he was an amazing guy he grew up in the mountains he knew this mountain lore and sure. and all these things a lot of like what you're talking about that was just passed down and i grew up here and i was some of these things were passed down to me Duke wasn't there that day. We had to find this water line. Well, nobody knew where it went. We knew the house was here. Where's this water line? Well, I get out these um, hangers. Co-hangers, yeah. Co-hangers. Yeah, you could use co-hangers. And I, I, I made them out, and I'm walking by, and lo and behold, these they things They crossed cross. right on it. And I was like, it's right here. He was like, you're crazy. It's just witchcraft stuff. Like, Call it what you want. It's right here. And we would dig, and there's that water line. But see, you opened yourself up, and you told yourself what you wanted to find. And then the rods were the tool. Mm -hmm. And you took off walking. That was your intent. Yeah, but there's something else going on besides that, because I would hand this to people, and they would try it, and they would find it. But see, you have some sort of magnetic, what you're calling a ley line, but I don't even know if that's a ley line. There's something going on. You have to have a certain frequency inside of you to manifest specific gifts. All of us are born with some sort of gift. Okay. And depending on where your frequency is, is where you fall within those gifts. Okay. So if you can water witch, that means that you have probably have a lower frequency because you're dealing with the earth. Earth is solid, you know, that's a lower frequency. So you can pick up on that. That's a, that's a very powerful gift at one point. And it still is if you want to dig a well. Right. Right. Um, I people I, I when i live in the northwest i mean obviously they don't have the same tradition that i grew up with a lot of this lore and a lot of the things that you and i'm talking about and they thought i was crazy but I'm like, no i've done it i've never done it with birch i think that's the other tree that people they'll take a well it's, i've never done it with it. i've always done it with coat hangers right well you can do it with many different things and, and you know just to give you a rundown of some of the other things that we're talking about and i'm sure a lot of your listeners have had this happen like looking at woolly worms yes looking at woolly worms and then you you've got this one that i know that i have been whooped over more than one time and that's the dog days of summer yes because if you had a booger or something on your foot or a cut or anything of that nature and you got out the out there and got the dew on you from during dog days you was going to get a an infection and it wouldn't heal and I would get spanked because we go running barefooted everywhere, you know, and, uh-huh. you know, here we go through dog days and my grandmother would, you know, snatch me up and 
so I actually grew up as an adult and went back through this stuff. And there really is a disease that you can catch from that dew, but it, it usually is animals. Wow. There's something in that dew that that can mess you up. And, you know, we've heard this. I mean, we're in the South, and we have all this, uh, you know, farmland. I mean, we all grew up kind of in the hicks. Mm-hmm. And we grew up listening to this stuff. What's fascinating to me about this conversation is – a lot of the, uh, and I, I, I don't want to use this word, the word I want to use, I don't want it to be dismissive, but a lot of the mythology that I grew up with as a child, that my mother grew up with, and my mother passed on down to me, I'm hearing a lot of this and it's making more sense. That's the ancient language of our people from Europe that right. was passed on and we don't have a complete picture of what the Druids did because it was an oral tradition. Okay. So these are those fragments of information. So these were the scientists. These this were is, the uh, yes, astronomers. So th- these were the yes, people who the were watching nature. And, and the judges and, and, and the, the priest. Right. We were everything. So when you hear these things in the mountains talking about all this stuff, it's because it's fragments of that ancient knowledge that one of the things that I preserve listen to uh, you have a wart and then take a potato yeah they rub it on there it's then a go raw it. Irish tater you go get it and you gotta rub it on there okay you go bury it. and you go bury it and as that there potato rots <laughs> right. your wart's gonna fall off right I mean there's things like that I grew up listening to that my grandmothers and my mother would pass on and my mom spill salt spill, spill salt. salt bad luck you gotta throw it over your shoulder <laughs> right. these are all things that came from there well and so my mother grew up um <clears throat> there was um there was nine of them three brothers so six girls in her family growing up and her mother would not let them go into the garden if they were on their cycle because mm-hmm. it would ruin the garden and there was just all these things that she was taught growing up. Now, my mom's a nurse, mm-hmm. mind you. She's classically trained as a nurse. She's I was, too, for 30 years. Right. Mom was. And still, there would be some things, like when my wife at the time was pregnant, my mom would pull out these. Mom, you're a nurse. She, like, for example, don't put your kid on the table. She would have my daughter sitting on the table while she's in the kitchen doing something. Or don't cut her hair before she's a year old. Or if they don't fall off the bed, they're going to die. So, funny story. My aunt, we lived across the street from my aunt. uh, And I was less than a year old. Hmm. My aunt comes over to visit one day. My mom's in tears on the bed behind me. She put pillows down on the floor. And she was about to push me off the bed because she believed that if i don't fall out of bed before i'm a year old i'm gonna die yes and she's about I was to push off the bed i was pushed i was i was pushed off the bed and um a lot of the older folks you get burnt yeah because you know the fire would be open you know you cook it on the fire or the the cook stoves and all that kind of stuff you'd have to burn your kid so they would not catch the house on fire on themselves. So there's so much of this. It's just crazy that you wouldn't think about today. See, and I think that's the problem when we start talking about a lot of the ancient mysteries and truths that you've talked about as far as ley lines and divining. Mm -hmm. And then you mix in these things that we were taught 
that make no sense. Like if a kid doesn't follow a bed, it's going to die. I think people mix those together sometimes. And the truths that you're talking about that maybe we should listen to and dive into and learn from get mixed in with a lot of these things that we think are just foolish. Exactly. I mean, they're really not. Some of them are just so old, they're taken out of context. You don't know why you do them. You just do them. But at some point, there was a reason. And and I would assume with that one, and that's kind of what I've come to peace with, with the pushing out of the bed, was to have a child learn fear so it would mind. That That's my guess. Maybe. It, that's the only thing I can think of. That be Maybe. careful about falling out of bed. Because you got to remember back then, you were living in really small areas, and the kids were usually up. Okay. So if the kids are like up in a loft and they're rolling around when they get a little older and they roll off, they're going to die. Right. They don't know the dangers of it. You're teaching them through archaic means, as it were, you know, to keep yourself straight, to grab your butt (laughs) in the car. Back to the the butt grabbing. It's the same thing, though. (laughs) It truly is. I mean, and we're losing this language of the of the old time ways and they were there for a reason they were they were and a lot of these i used to um i used to not anything that was classified as myth i discounted i used to be that way anything was classified as myth or mythology i discounted well that's just stories and then i started listening to uh jordan peterson of all things. I don't know if you know who Jordan Peterson is. Yes. He's that psychologist out of Canada that got in trouble for speaking up against enforced language. Uh, but I started listening to uh, his YouTube videos on the Bible. And he's talking about these archetypes and the mythologies that mm-hmm. are there. And that's when I realized that myth, myth is simply, it's not something that's fantasy and fairy tale. It's just simply a way to explain things we don't understand. Well, it goes deeper than that because right. Young is the one that started that J-U-N-G, Young, the, oh, uh, yeah. the archetype. He, he talks a lot about And basically about what happened, in my opinion, is if you look across the entire world at all the mythos that's out there, there's always a god or goddess of war. There's always a god or goddess of love. There's always a god or goddess there's of this. There's a unifying there's truth. There's a unifying truth. And that's because of what's in our brain we manifest with a face. Right. Does that make sense? We, and then we, we teach uh, that. Anthropomorphize yes. things. Yes. And, um, Absolutely. So I, I meant to pull this up and I'll send it to you. I'll find it. I think you'll find it fascinating. There's a There's a minister that I follow online. Uh, well, he was a former pastor, very, very controversial. The one that a, thinks that. Go ahead. Paul is the devil. No, his <laughs> name is uh, Rob Bell. I love him to death. I, I I hope to one day meet this guy, and I think the first thing I'm gonna do is just hug him. Uh, but uh, he's interviewing a guy from Great Britain, has a Celtic background, mm-hmm. and they're talking about Christmas. Now, Christmas is one of those Christian holidays that uh, I don't do not enjoy. It's I, because it's not a Christian holiday. We'll get to that. <laughs> uh, I don't enjoy it for several reasons. One's a very deep personal reason. Uh, we uh, neither is Easter, by the way. We'll get to that. <laughs> uh, nowhere in Scripture are we told to celebrate the birth of Jesus. No. As a matter of fact, I often wonder. And Rob Bell 
wonders this too. What would Jesus do today to know that a an entire religion was named after him? I don't think I don't think his goal was to say, hey, I'm going to start this thing and you guys name it after me. Or the fact that um, millions of people go into debt to show off and spend so much money that they don't have on gifts that mean nothing. Right, right. And uh, so to your point, well, back to my point, then we'll go to your point. Um, of all the holidays and festivals that are mentioned in Scripture, Western Christianity celebrates none. I know. And then of all the holidays that Western Christianity celebrates as a high holy holiday, it's nowhere mentioned in Scripture. <laughs> the closest would be Easter, which is around the same time as Passover, but it's not Palm Passover. Sunday, I would agree with, because Palm Sunday, you know, when, when well, that's Jesus, part of Passover. Yes, when when Jesus entered in and they, they had the palm leaves and stuff like that. But as far as the crucifixion and, and all of that, hey, nobody knows where it is. Nobody knows when Christmas or Jesus' birthday happened. So what they did is they took our holidays to make it easier to convert us and made them into Christian holidays. And and our deities that we would not give up, like Bree or Bridget, became a saint, Saint Bridget, mm-hmm. because the people of Ireland would not give her up, period. So now the way this guy, so he's, he's interviewing, well, he's not interviewing, it's a conversation. Like I don't consider this an interview. This is more of a conversation. So the conversation he's having is with this guy named Pete Rollins. And again, I'll look this up and I'll send it to you. I'll put it in this uh, okay. the notes here. And Pete's describing the migration of Christianity into the Druid areas. And of course, the winter solstice is coming up. It's the birth of the sun. Mm-hmm. And he said, this is where Christmas came about. And the Christians were like, oh, we have a birth of the sun. And so they start getting these similarities. And then the, the Christmas tree, <clears throat> which I know in the Druid life, a tree is a very huge very big archetype it's it's huge for us right and the evergreen is a very big Mm -hmm. and so he starts getting all these correlations about where we get these christmas traditions from and how the christians were identifying with the druids at that time and they were finding these similarities and and christmas was illegal in the united states for a very long time i didn't know that yes it was illegal to celebrate christmas because it was a pagan holiday but then the merchants got involved. Yes, it became commercialized, and right. then, then we made Santa Claus and Coca Cola. Yes, and, and um, also Halloween, Samhain, which is our New Year. That's uh-huh. when we start our New Year. Is Samhain ha- Halloween? That's very close to Rosh Hashanah or Yom Kippur, which is the Jewish New Year. Starts sometime early in the fall. Right. So um, that came over with the with the Irish. And, mm-hmm. and the Scots, um, it wasn't celebrated. I did not know that Christmas was illegal for a while. Y- yes, look it up because I know there's people right now. I, 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 I'm looking that up right down. Hit your Googles, people. Hit your Googles. Find it out. Uh, I found it very fascinating listening to Pete Rollins talk about that and um, just the correlation between a lot of the Druid truths and Christian truths that they found. A huge similarity. Part of the reason why is a lot of the Druids at the time after, um, see, before the ratification of Christianity, Christianity was being practiced in harmony with with the um, 
heathen pagan beliefs. Um, actually, pagan is a slur, incidentally. Mm. It's a slur word. Um, but anyway, they they merged together in harmony and they would go to church together mm-hmm. and it was at peace because they practiced the old ways and then they had you know the christianity and everything but then at the ratification of christianity at the council of nicaea then all that changed and then it became illegal to to do that so then they tried to stomp out this that and the other of course so what happened with some of the druids is um they were given the option to be given titles in the Catholic Church, and so they could still practice, but they would be under the Catholic Church. So a lot of them went. St. Columba is one that's um, coming to mind right now that did that. Wow. So uh, a couple of years ago, you'll find this funny. A couple of years ago, I went on a date with this girl. Beautiful. Yes. <laughs> Beautiful woman. Uh, I met her up in Knoxville, and uh, we're talking. And she's it's our first date, and she starts asking me about my faith, which I don't want to talk about. On Not on the date. first date. I don't want to talk about it. And so I'm trying to avoid it. I'm trying to avoid it. And finally, she looks at me. She goes, well, are you pagan? <clears throat> now, the first thing that popped into my head, do you remember that movie Dragnet with Tom Hanks and Dan Aykroyd? <laughs> yes. First thing that popped into my head was that movie and that song, Wait a Minute, Copper, Mr. Crime Stopper. What do you yeah. think we're doing? Yes. We're in our pants, our goatskin pants, dancing around this ancient ruin, something like that. Yeah. First thing that popped into my head was that, and I just started laughing. I'm not a, I'm not a pagan. That's the first thing I said. Date was over because she is. <laughs> she is a pagan, and she thought I was making fun of her. And I'm like, no, you don't understand my mind, how it's working. Um, but. That's when I began this idea, okay, just what is a pagan? It's an umbrella for a whole lot of stuff. That's what I found out. It's a big umbrella. Now, I will say this. I get along with everybody in in that umbrella except one group of people. Okay. And I'm just going to throw it out there because it is what it is. The only people that I have found that I cannot interact with or relate to on any level is Satanist. Okay. Because so now a lot of people would say when I tell them I'm interviewing a pagan, they think I'm interviewing a Satanist. They think I'm interviewing somebody. She's got cats running around. She's uh, pale, black hair, black. I look goth. Very goth. (laughs) You know, pentagrams all over the place and candles. You know, I mean that's what people think of pagan. But in this conversation, what I'm finding out is, no, it's a lot more. And yes, there are there are people those. like that. I can't den- lie and say there's not, but that falls more into the realm of the witch and um, possibly Wiccan, uh, and maybe not because I know people that are witches and Wiccans that walk around this town every day and nobody knows who they are either. It's just a personal choice of how you want to live your life. Does that make sense? It is. It's and to me, like uh, while I'm open, I don't wear a, a sign that says "Hey." Although I could, but I don't. But, yeah, I'm open about it, but I just don't walk around because I think that's disrespectful because as a Christian, I'm sure people don't walk around with, you know, a big cross on top of their head. Well, and that's uh, when I was a minister. I was in Washington State, and I had a, I was what they call a bivocational minister, which meant I had a full-time job. And um, so I had my 40-hour-a-week job, and I had this ministry role that I had. 
And those two didn't always intersect. Sure. Because, you know, I'm, I'm in this world working. I'm in this world ministering. And a lady from my church ran into somebody that was associated with me and my work and realized they knew they both knew me. Mm-hmm. And um, I saw her at church the next day. She said, yeah, that person didn't know you were a pastor. Said, no, they I never told. Were you ashamed of being a pastor? No, I'm not ashamed of it. It's just that when you put titles on yourself, people put you in a box. And they immediately judge you by that box. And I don't like being put in a box. And so it's not that I hide my faith. It's not that I hide my role. I just don't want to be put in a box. Well, it's just like this. You walk into a room Mm -hmm. of people that you're going to meet for the very first time. And I'm pretty sure that you don't sit there. uh, I know I don't. And go, Mm -hmm. hello, my name is Angela. I'm married. I'm heterosexual. I am an art druid. And uh, my favorite color is this. And I really don't care for pasta. I mean, you don't give this whole rundown of your life. I mean, it just doesn't come up in polite conversation now if if religion comes up or belief systems or or even politics because politics can tie in all this Mm -hmm. as well then you you may choose to interject or you may not uh it's like any other conversation you have about your life it's like your shoe size do you walk around and say that to people i mean just because it's you it doesn't mean that you have to tell everything about yourself and as a minister while we're ministers all the time and you understand what i mean by that i'm a minister 24 7 but that doesn't i left that years ago and i but it's never left but you understand what i mean you're never off duty to this day i'm not i mean the phone could ring at any time at my house or, or anything could happen so I have to be on call 24-7 as a minister. Right. But um, if they see me out eating an ice cream down here at, you know, uh, they look at me like, what? what is she doing? She's eating ice cream. Does that mean? Do I have to eat ice cream too? Right. You know, I mean, it's like, <laughs> you know. Well, and that's the thing with, I guess the best term to define what you and I are talking about right now would be identity politics. Sure. And I, I don't like them. I don't either. And, you know, it would be easy for me to say, well, Angela's a pagan. She's in this box. I don't want to talk to her because she obviously believes all this stuff. But when I sit down and talk to you, we have a lot of the same beliefs. Absolutely. And and I don't consider myself to be a liberal or a conservative. I look at each individual situation and see what would be best for that particular thing. So I don't even like those labels. Yeah, I don't I like just, those labels. I just believe in doing the right thing. Whatever that is. Agreed. I think it needs to be done. I like to do the right thing. Let's just do this, people. This is what we're... I mean, I don't... Some of these these things get very complex. Sure. I mean, mean, when you start talking about immigration, things like... It's very complex. Obviously, nobody wants to see kids put in cages, but you also don't want to see kids brought here by people who aren't their parents. You don't want... It gets very complex. Uh, The one thing I have faith in is that... The people down there dealing with this are moms and dads, and they are sympathetic, and they are wanting the best for these kids. And although we have this very complex issue, the people whose feet are on the grounds dealing with it, I have faith that they are doing their best. Doing their best. Now, but now, when you and I get talking about 
I don't know, I guess the word that comes to my head is the metaphysical, the spiritual, the divine. Um, and the ley lines and the vortexes. I, the magic. The magic. Now, mm. so define magic. I mean, I like I like magic tricks, but that's not the same. Well, how do you define when Moses and and the head magi of Pharaoh's court threw down their staves and that one turned into a serpent and Moses is turned into a serpent? So and ate that one and ate that one. So magic is real. And it just showed you right there that magic is real because that unchristian magician mm-hmm. threw his down and it became a serpent just like Moses's did okay mm-hmm. so you can't deny that the power of the mind can manifest things in your world and as far as ancient knowledge I want to go back and touch on something really please quickly do, because it, it's something that is rather cutting edge it's being proven by science now because science is finally catching up to us uh, DNA Mm-hmm. And you talk about collective um, memory, mm-hmm. uh, reincarnation, and all this kind of stuff. Um, the soul never dies. It carries on. All the information of everybody that's ever been in your bloodline back to the beginning of whatever that is. is, is encoded. It's encoded in your DNA. And now they're discovering that. And that's something that we knew. When they talk about, and uh, you may not know what this is, and your listeners may not know what it is, but some of them may. When you talk about the Akashic Records, which is a hall that um you're trained to meditate to go into and it looks like a huge library like the library of alexandria Mm -hmm. um and you can go in there and find answers to something um it's actually your dna that you're tapping into to find out that information so this uh meditation this prayer Mm -hmm. you're 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 going deeper into who you are mm-hmm. and allowing the divine if you're, if you're right, right. the divine to, to help guide you into that or your or your ancestors out. right because with druidry and with the irish people and the, the celtic people especially you got to understand that the the first and original um in my opinion from my studies um belief system was the veneration of ancestors and so what's the veneration veneration of ancestors i think that would have been the first religion so to speak is you know i really liked uncle joe and you know i'm just gonna build a little shrine here for uncle joe and i'm gonna go put flowers on his grave and talk to uncle joe um and actually believe that uncle joe and you are having a conversation back and forth so the veneration thereof of the dead still do that today but you look at new grange and you know the passage tombs and that kind of thing that's what you're doing you're going in on your knees to to pay homage and veneration of the dead yeah so that's what i'm talking about your your ancestors and and who you are and who you're the culmination of a of a million loves so you have all that information inside of you i i totally believe that and um i think um going back to Christianity, the book of Hebrews talks about that, that we have a great cloud of witnesses. Yes, exactly. And uh, these are the people who came before us. And I know certainly when I was in the Marine Corps, <laughs> that was very much part of our myth, our ethos and our mythology is mm-hmm. that you have all these Marines before you that you are standing on the shoulders of. And it's the same principle. And you have these Marines 
after you that you're laying the foundation for. So uh, the best way the Marine Corps mythology and ethos was described to me was when I was in college with Dr. Poff again, mm-hmm. going back to Dr. Poff, who had been a, who, who had served in the Marine Corps. Uh, we were in psychology, and he was teaching it, and he was teaching about cults. And uh, started talking about the Marine Corps, very much a cult type of teaching and ethos. And somebody thought I, they didn't know he had been in the Marine Corps, but they knew I had been and thought I would be offended by it. And Dr. Poff, both he and I both knew we'd been Marines. He looked at me and says, does that offend you? I was like, no, pretty much describes the Marine Corps. We do very much have this, uh, what you're talking about, this idea of there were people before me. Mm-hmm that built who I am today mm-hmm. and I need to honor that. I need to learn from that. I need to carry that forward so I can build the people in the future. Uh, that That's what I'm taking away from what you were talking but about. But it's not a cult. No, it's not a cult. Uh, but you know, that is, I want to make that clear because people are no, right now, there's people the in, their, in, 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 in their pickup trucks trying to find us right now right and the marine corps is not a cult but very much in the same mentality of how they teach and train is what he was talking about there but are there cults inside of paganism that are dangerous yes but there are cults inside of christianity Christianity that are dangerous Uh, yes in any in any religion there are fanatics that take things to a dangerous level exactly like the whisperer uh, oh people God. that's a cult that that is terrifying i heard an interview with the granddaughter mm-hmm. of uh the guy that founded the westboro baptist church sure. uh she came out of it uh she was raised up in it her grandfather started it when she, he died i think a lot of people and his family kind of left because they, i think he held them there well, not. she she got out. She was interviewed by Joe Rogan. So if you want to mm-hmm. look that up, you can just Google Joe Rogan, Westboro Baptist Church or something, and it'll pull up. It's a, it's probably one of my favorite podcasts that I've listened to. But she talks about being raised in that and how much she very much believed in and how much she very much believed that what she was doing was the right thing. And then she be, talks about this process of where she – became aware that what she was doing was absolutely not right. And the whole process of leaving and understanding that when she left, she could never come back. And her and her sister left that cult, and she describes it as a cult. And even even to this day, you can tell that it's painful for her to describe it as a cult because it was very much her life, her identity, her family, the people she loved. And she had to walk away from it. I uh, and so that's where you and I agree also that I don't think that you can take paganism as a whole and say, well, that's a cult. Exactly. Just like you can't Christianity or Muslimism or Judaism or any of that stuff. Um, I can say I don't agree with it, but even in our conversation today, today, a lot of what I grew up knowing and learning and a lot of what i know because of my training and in, in, in the faith that i tradition that i'm a part of we're very similar see and that's what i like to do scott is find common ground because people spend so much time fighting and trying to find things that divide us and i prefer to focus on what brings us together right 
because if we're going to affect the world that we live in, we have to first start with ourselves, and then we can work on our community and make it a better place. We can affect what goes on in Washington or Timbuktu, no. but we sure can affect here in Athens or Etowah or Cleveland or Decatur or, or my Iota circle of influence or your circle. But you got to start with yourself, and then when you deal with other people, you can't close yourself off. You have to find that commonality and then build on that. You don't have to agree with everything that they say, but as long as you can agree on one thing, then you have the basis to build. Well, and I think a lot of times people are, when they disagree, it's out of fear. They don't know, you know. Exactly. And I, I may say, okay, that ley line thing is crazy. These vortex things are crazy. And it's because I don't know. I've never experienced it. Or maybe I have experienced it. And I just didn't realize it. But then you got to look at just what I said about the animals. Right. That freaks me out. And, and ha- okay, just so you know. And, and for you Christians out there, how do you think all those animals from, um, how did the penguins get to the ark? Well, see. No, and I agree. And <laughs> I, what I would say there is. <laughs> And I've had this discussion, and now, uh, you know, gosh. No offense, but there had to have been some sort of. Well, there are, in, in animals, there are kinds. And, for example, I don't think a wolf and a Great Dane. I mean, if you're going to say, okay, the ark is true. Let's just start with the ark is true. I don't think a wolf, a Great Dane, and a Chihuahua, there were two of each. There was a dog. There was a wolf because right. all dogs came from wolves. Right. There was a wolf. There and was then a... the breeds came out of that. Probably the same thing with birds. Uh, penguins, I don't think they necessarily need to get on the ark because they can kind of swim around. Yeah, but it also said in the Bible that everything that swam in the sea drowned. There was a lot. Right. And, but, and, and you can find that. Uh, I mean, fossil records on places where we never knew the earth was covered with water. And there's fossil records of... Uh, of fish the animal thing fascinates me how these animals know to go to places they've never been here's another thing and they know what time to out. leave and they know what time to arrive and they get there and it just it, it fascinates me do you want to know something else that's really creepy i do i do everybody out there i want you to try this at home um, directions that you move in yourself also can affect you. Have you ever wondered why all grocery stores have you go to the right and go counterclockwise in a grocery store or any store that you go in? I've never thought about a grocery because, Grocery stores are more like that. I never thought about that. I know when I go into like department stores, the women's section is usually on the right. And... The stuff I want to see is usually either way in the back or on the but left. You still have to you have to take a path, and usually, right. usually people will. It's a very directed path. You'll you'll do this counterclockwise motion, okay? Now, the reason why that's done that way is to keep you off balance, and you will buy more. If you want to save money at the grocery store, go counter go, go clockwise, go left towards the um, dairy. Right, the deli, the dairy. And people will look at you like you're nuts. Right. Because you're going against the flow. You are breaking against the mold. But it's done that way because counterclockwise undoes things. So counterclockwise undoes your money, it undoes your time, and it undoes you. So that's a 
that is a true true thing so why do you think all stores go counterclockwise it's fascinating see people are affected by quote unquote magic every day and they don't even realize it so magic and psychology are very much very very close very close very close very close um and i think magic you know back to this when you talk about magic, we talk about spells, psychology. I'm still fascinated that spelling is based on spells. Uh, <laughs> those are very suggestive, mm-hmm. right? I mean, when you talk, when you talk about spells, I'm talking about voodoo and witch doctors and, and what's those little dolls that they. Uh, yeah. Um, a lot of that's very suggestive. No. I speak this into you, and then all of a sudden you manifest that you want to believe it, and you do believe it, and therefore it goes on. And no. You... Yes and no. Okay. There are differences to that. There is some magic, and I don't want to freak anybody out because this don't is freak them out. okay. Uh, there is some magic that even if you don't believe in it, I can make things happen to you. Oh. Just so you know, it doesn't matter. And I'll use an analogy Expand that was taught to me a that. long time ago. Yeah. And since you were in the military, you you will appreciate this. Right. You can not believe on that. You can't. Well, let's see. There's a sniper on a hill. Mm-hmm. You can't see it. Mm-hmm. Therefore, you don't believe in it. Mm-hmm. It can still kill you. Mm-hmm. That's and why you I can tell look and you can search. It's so random. You can look and you can search and you can and you don't see it and you can say it's not there. Yes, exactly. So, um, remember when I talked about everything is is energy and uh, vibration and frequency. Right. All right? Your body has a battery in it. Your body runs on electricity. Mm -hmm. And you can short out certain parts of your body doing certain things. So, have you cast a spell on me? I cast a spell on you. No. No. I have no reason to do that. But I, I don't want everyone to think that that magic is just something that is in your head, although that's where it is. Uh, there's physical things that you can do. And it's kind of like in the Bible when you talk about putting the blood on top of the, the doorway. Right, the Passover, back to the Passover. Passover. Um, there are really literal things that you can do to uh, manifest something. Mm-hmm. Like you want your wart to fall off, you go plant that tater that you right. rubbed on it. So there are real things that you can do to affect people and you don't have to believe in it or not. Right. Well, see, that's like, a, there's this thing going around where everybody does that ear wicking, you know, that little. Have you done that? I have. I had a panic attack. I couldn't do it. No, I've done it. And, and everybody's <gasps> like, oh, it's and it just made no sense to me. It's all woo woo to me. And so I had an extra one. And so uh, I just burnt it. All right. Just burn it. Set it like in a little glass sort of set up. And I burnt it. And I took the one that I'd done the ear wicking with. The exact same amount of residue. There's no, it's not pulling anything out of your ear, but people who do it swear by it. I mean, they've believed in it. It's a placebo effect. It's a placebo effect. But there's a difference between placebo effect and what you're talking about. And what I'm talking about. Because what you're talking about is people actually, things actually manifesting in people's lives. Yes. And and I hate the, there's a, there's a video or that book, The Secret, or The Law of Attraction, it gets so much out there as far as feel-good stuff. But there's a lot of truth to that. Well, everything you has to You do a, find what you're attracting. 
everything is a coin. There's there's so two the sides. There has to be a balance to everything. It's like peace and war. You uh-huh. can't have one without the other because if you don't have war, you'll never know what peace is. Mm-hmm. No, you'll just true. go along and not appreciate what you have. Right. So to me, um, that's something that's used only. It's like battle magic. To be perfectly honest with you, and I, we were we I have are no trained. No idea what battle magic in, is. You've, you just don't want to. Just don't really want to know that. And I'm not even going to go into okay. that. But but we because being advisors to the kings, we also had to deal with war and other things of that nature. So right. we were always kind of like the front line. Although we were excluded from military combat, um, we could do other things. You were Donald Rumsfeld's. Sort of. But if we walked across the battlefield, the battlefield had to stop because if you killed one of us, it was really right. bad. It's really bad. So the um, yeah, where I was going with the law of attraction and stuff is you, you, I'll see these people who talk about all the women I date are horrible. Well, the problem's not the women. It's you, dude. You're, you know, Or women who talk about all the men I date are cheaters and liars. And the, Well, maybe it's you. Maybe you're attracting this type of person, and if you, is there any truth to that? Absolutely. Or am I just no, no? You're, being you're dead here? on. You're dead on with that. So, and that's what I think about as far as part of what you're saying with magic. People you're saying it's a lot more. People need to understand that everything, good, bad, or otherwise, mm-hmm. you have manifested in your life, and and that gets people a little riled up. So when I tell parents that your kids are your own damn fault. Yes, or if. Some tragedy happened um, uh, to your child or or something of some grievous crime. I'll just put it to you that way. Um, Basically, somebody's manifested that in your life. So the good, better, otherwise. But you can also do do positive things as well. So the sins of the father. Kind of. Yes. Yes, and generational curses. The Bible talks about generational the curses. Of the father is a generational so you curse. know it, that's real. So, to me, I get really tickled when when Christians don't see me the way I really am because they've not read their own book. No, they've not. They've not. And and to think about the things that are in the Bible compared to what you and I've sat here talking about willy worms and cobwebs and the things that are so violent and horrible in the Bible. You know, that's what I like about it. If I was going to write a book about faith, I wouldn't include most of the stuff that's in that Bible. The thing I like about it is it's very real. It's very honest. I mean, when you, you talk about people like Samson, and if you go back and read about Samson, I mean, he's a hero in faith, but... He was a horrible person in many regards. And this gives me hope. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, 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 ain't that bad. I, I get do, fired up about I it because good. I, a lot of people don't take the study like we, we do because right. I, I, we take it to the professional theologist study level. Oh, okay? I, I geek out. I go back and read what rabbis wrote. I go back and read. And Nishas. I'm sure you've read the Apocrypha. I've not read all of it. Have you read the book of Adam and Eve? I have not read that one. I've read the Book of Thomas, now, which I don't think that's in the Apocrypha, but I have not read Yes, the it book. is. Book of Thomas is in the Apocrypha, okay. but in the Book of Apocrypha, Adam and Eve, that the story that they went through, that basically God and um, the devil were at it again, doing these gambling tricks that they do, and um, 
Adam killed himself because he couldn't take it anymore. He jumped off a cliff and Eve killed herself. And then God rose him back up to play the game again and again and again. And um, then you think about Job and I get so broken up over Job yeah. that you've got God and then you've got this being gambling over Going back lives. and forth. Job's an interesting book. Um, it's a very interesting book. It's written as a five-act play, pretty much. Yes. And But there's a theme. It goes throughout the, the whole Old Testament, if you think about it. All right. This... There's a theme, and that's the, that's the amazing thing about that about that book, is it's written by so many different authors, over different languages, over different time periods, but there's this unifying theme. That's because at that the Council of Nicaea, they sit and ratified a lot of that, because any Bible that was written well, before that, it was... It was when spirit. you're talking about the Old and New Testament, you're correct, but when you're talking about just, like, even like the, the Tanakh or the, or the Torah... Right. You know that they, the, which is basically the Old Testament that the Hebrews have, uh, and so we'll take the Council of Nicaea out and the New Testament out. Just that path, that section alone. There's this unifying theme that goes through it, and it just fascinates me. But what I get fascinated by, and I don't know if you've ever went down this rabbit hole. Uh, here we go. Okay, let's go. God created evil. And there's script in Isaiah when he says, you know, I I created evil. Okay. So if he created evil, is he really gambling with himself? I, here's the thing. (laughs) You see where I'm going with that? Well, I will give you the answer that uh, one of my professors in college gave me. A guy raised his hand. It was, I was taking systematic theology, which is absolutely as boring as it sounds. Yes. And um, the professor would come in, he'd open his notebook, he'd read his notes, and when he was done reading his notes, class was over. Mm-hmm. So if you didn't ask him any questions, you got out of class earlier, right? Because he didn't pontificate. He literally just read his notes and walked out. Mm-hmm. He's going through class one day, and this guy raised his hand, and uh, we were talking about uh, systematic theology in regards to heaven, and um, this guy raises his hand. He goes, Dr. So-and-so, can you imagine? And he raises his hand up and he stops. He says, no, I cannot imagine. God is infinite. I am finite. There is no way that I, a created being, can conceptualize or imagine or understand the creator. Mm-hmm. And so when you're talking about, you know, is God gambling himself? He cre- I can't imagine. I can't wrap my I don't know what's going on there with the divine. I I absolutely believe in the divine. I absolutely believe in what you were saying the other day about how not the other day, a few minutes ago, about how we couldn't have war without peace. Uh, when people tell me that life is terrible for them, I let them know that much of life sucks. Light and dark. There's light and dark, that whole concept. But too much of either is bad. Right. See, in the dark is when you grow. And if you're in the light, if you have too much light, you could burn up. It's funny you said in the dark is where you can grow because I was, uh, the other day, a friend of mine noticed another friend of mine said, that guy is is such a great guy. He's always in a great spot. He's always just mm-hmm. really happy and he's, I, I just want to be like him. Well, I knew the guy and I said, well, he went through a lot of pain 
It took a lot of pain to get, to get where, where he's at now. So are you sure you want to be like him? And that's what I often tell people about me. You know, I I went through a very, very dark place. To be wise, you have to go through a lot of unwise things. Right. So the more wise you are, the more painful your past. So be careful what you wish for. Be careful what you wish for. And that, and you know, we keep coming back to the Bible. Uh, you go back to, you know, Solomon and his quest to be the wisest man. that, And you read some of his writings, you're like, ugh. I mean, that's he had to experience some horrible things to come up with some of the stuff. He and he did with. some hanky things, too. He did some horrible things. He, he, he did some. He did. Yeah. Uh, and hanky. he's considered a. Uh, well, look at David. Like, oh, my God. Don't get me started on David. People start talking about how horrible such and such is. And I'm thinking, David, he's considered the apple of God's eye. And look what he did. Look what he experienced. Well, Lucifer was the morning star. Cast, correct. Okay. And you know who else is called the morning star in the Bible? Son of Christ. Thank you. And did you know there was no J in, in Hebrew? He, in Hebrew until the 14th century? Well, I believe the J comes out of Germany uh, when they were 14th. translating it. Jehovah comes out of Yes. Because it's and, actually Yahweh if you're in the Hebrew. Yes. And um, X and Hilo. Uh, out of something, nothing something from nothing and then uh, you go into the entomology of the word god which See, word god no god god right. capital god god and if yeah, people that's, that, are you talking about the hebrew adonai you're talking about which? no no i'm talking about the word not elohim yahweh okay, okay, okay. I, I, el shaddai you're talking i'm not talking english i'm talking about it's not English, but if you look at the word, when we say the word God, okay, that is comes from the German word Gott, which is a female word that is referencing referencing the um, Germanic god Odin. So every time you use the word God, mm-hmm. you're not calling upon God in heaven; you're calling upon God Odin. Not in their mind. There's smoke coming from his ears. No, no, no. And I, I see where the etymology ties back to that. Yes. But the intent of the person speaking the word is not necessarily that. It doesn't matter. It's vibration. So you're saying vibration. So So when I go back to the word prayer, mm -hmm. which means to beg. Yes. Um, because I'm trying to find a different word. To use for that i'm trying to find a different word for christianity uh to be honest with you because i i just don't there's something about it i don't like um so you're saying these vibrations so this goes back to chance chance and then um uh, there is no chance chance not chance uh c-h-a-n-t-s oh so when you know you you chance so to, let's go back to my to be enchanted to be enchanted let's go back to my uh misconceptions of paganism or druids i I see these people sitting around you know a a pentagram with fire burning and they're just repeating these words over and over and over and over what's the difference between tibetan monks who repeat the same mantra over and over again or christians christians who repeat uh, our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name Uh, yeah 
or, you know, amen. So there's power in those words. There's power in every word. Be careful what you say because every word's a spell. Back to spelling. Back to my first mind being blown today. (laughs) Spelling. I've never thought about that. You're going to blow my mind for the rest of the day. I'll be at work this afternoon. I'll be going, oh, my God. Spelling. What got you into this? I was raised in this. Oh, you were? Yeah. So your family was open about it and... Well, open, open at least with you. About see, the it. way that the way that we were in the mountain, uh, the Appalachian traditions mm-hmm. just kind of came out of. Um, we didn't know any other way. We didn't have a label of paganism till we came to the city, and then that word became known in the '60s and '70s. We didn't know what that was. We just followed the old ways. And, I'm and we went to church. I came out of the same tradition. And we went to church. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And and if you look back at the names of church, um, a lot of the deistic um, uh, mountain churches that come from this European mindset, you know, um, uh, the oak, anything that has like a tree name in it yeah. or the rock. Right. Um, the congregation very, very... of the rock or, or the... Uh, First, Cedar something. Cedar Springs. Cedar Springs. You know, if it has got a a name in it, something like that, chances are it had its foundation in this um, old ways tradition. So we just call it the old ways. We didn't call it paganism. Or Druidism. Druidism. None of that stuff. Just the old ways. Just the old ways. Modern people put the labels on it. Yeah. Well, and that's, in, in talking to you, uh, and I'll be honest with you, my mom, when I first told her I was going to talk to you, she's like, ooh. <laughs> but I think if my mom was to sit down and talk to you, and you didn't use the labels. If you, you just take you the just, labels away, you feel like you're talking at the kitchen table with your with your grandmother or your, or your family back in the day. I mean, we had people that would come into the house. My grandmother was a beautician, so the kitchen was the hub of the house, right. okay? And we would all get together, and, the, you know, we had this sight thing, you know, the, the girls that could see the future, that kind of stuff. And, and our big thing is, who's going to die this year? We need to get ready, you know? And we'd talk about the signs, you know, a bird flying into a window and all this uh-huh. kind of stuff. Well, what's happened at your house? What's happened over there? You know, uh, spider webs, what's going on over there? You know, how many leaves are on a, a, a tree? You know, one little thing. Um, how tall is your corn? What color is it? You know, all these things. And we were using that to get the idea of what the year is going to be like. Right. It, it, I, like I said, if, if I was to have you sat down with my mother and took the labels away. She'd so never know. She'd be fascinated. She would sit down and talk to you for hours on end because these are things that she grew up with. These are things that she believes to this day. These are things that, uh, you know, we'll be outside on the farm and she'll see something and say something. I think you're just crazy. But there's this ancient truth that's been passed down through her Mm -hmm. that I really wished I could pull out of her. I wish there was some way to just soak this stuff up and learn a lot of it. But I think a lot of it she's lost. Have you ever seen a uh, a devil's fence? I have no clue what a devil's fence is. Have you ever been out in the country and you see two pieces of property that have two fence lines that go side by side and there's briefs? That's because they're feuding. So that's a devil's fence. And and what you've done is you've you've created this space in between where that can manifest more of that hate. And it's called a devil's fence. Oh, my God. 
I see, see there's this so in many things lives you every see day. this there's stuff that you take for granted every single day that you don't understand you're staring in the face of something that is very ancient and beyond what you know and we do this every day between individuals not just physically these fences because I absolutely see how that and I've seen this just what you're saying exactly but we do this as individuals every day I'll build my fence you build your fence and all that does is it just builds more animosity yes and it creates this space for more hate to take hold oh my god this is fascinating but see that's what what we were is we took those old ways and healing stuff you know I mean herbs and things and all that kind of stuff I mean we just put it back together that's all we did that's just fascinating like I said I I wished I I I'll have to introduce you to my mother well, shucks. I'll have to introduce you to <laughs> my mother. But I hope people are not afraid of me now, Scott, because that's my they goal. They shouldn't be afraid of you. And uh, somebody even asked me, I, you had that pagan night out. We, we all went to dinner, and, and I was telling a dear, dear friend of mine that I went to it. And she's like, why would you go to that? Because I'm interested. I was intrigued. But there was nothing that went on. and, and uh, We had dinner. Nobody sitting there looked like anybody else. We were not different. We looked like everybody else in the restaurant. Right. Nobody could tell. Nobody's wearing robes. and <laughs> You know, certainly I do have that. And, and I have to right. be real careful. I have a real funny story before we wrap up. I we was, can go as long as you want. I was doing an initiation up on Star Mountain. Okay. And a druid wears white. Okay. I did see when I was doing my little Google search, I saw in and circles I hate a lot of white, white robes. It I looked like it. a bunch of KKK members. And so we were up on Star Mountain. And I did an initiation up there. And uh, we were walking down the hill. Of course, I've got my hood on. Now, I didn't cover my face, but it's, right. you know, up on my head. And I'm walking with my so staff. So white? It's just holy. Okay. And it was really rare. Same reason the, the, the Pope and the, exactly. and the, the priest in, in Israel, they wore it, white. is just holy. Right. Okay. okay. So, um, holy. and it denotes who I am, unless I'm hiding, and then I'll wear some sort of other color. But. So we're coming down the hill, and here comes this redneck bunch of boys in this pickup truck, and they see me, and they go, um, "Woohoo! Where's the party at?" And I'm like, "Uh, it's not that kind of party. <laughs> not that kind of party. Not that kind of party." And did I mention the person I was initiating was an African American? <laughs> oh God. It was horrible. So you're on Star Mountain in Southeast Tennessee in white. <laughs> Robe with a hood. With a rope in my hand because we have rope. rope uh, you have a rope that goes around your waist like a belt. Right. And, and to hold your stuff together, you know. Right. And I had given her hers. So I had it in my hand as I was going down the hill. So here I am in white holding this oh rope. And I survived it. I, I, you know, I don't know how. Everybody survives it. You know, it was just like. But anyway. No, I. When we had dinner, and I told him, I said, I was, I was intrigued. And then um, what really got me intrigued with you, because I was already thinking about doing a podcast with somebody else about doing the whole, the guy I told you, like, goes to those ghost hunter mm-hmm. type things. And um, do I believe in that? I don't know. And then that's me. I'm not going to tell you, yeah, I believe in it. No, I don't. I don't know. I, I know there's things I don't know. I know there's things I don't understand. I, I do believe there's certain dimensions that we may or may not be aware of. 
Uh, and you started talking about that and the ley lines, and I think the Maori farm. And I thought, okay, I got to talk to this. I got to tell you, my student challenged me because she wanted to be scared. I mean, that was her end goal. She wanted to have proof. She wanted definitive proof uh, that there was something other than what she could see. Okay. So I get a call from, let's just say, uh, people down in that area mm-hmm. to come help with something. Hip with something. Hip. Hip. hip I had to go hip some people. And um, she saw things and dealt with things that um, she never, ever asked to go with me again. Because like a Catholic priest gets called in to do things, I get right. called in to do stuff all the time, too. Um, so here I go. It fascinates me. I've never, I've never experienced that. And it, my, back to my mom. We'll keep going back to my mom. As much as my mom believes in her Christian faith, mm-hmm. she's very much freaked out by uh, these spirits and this this other world that's out there. Well, you got to look at there are spirits, and you know the Bible proves that because when oh I uh, believe that when, I believe that when. Saul went to the witch of Endor, and she called up, I believe, Samuel. Right. Where did she call him <laughs> from? There's okay. a lot of questions in Scripture about stuff like that so, that just freaks me out. What do, not freaks me out in the sense that I don't believe it, but when you start thinking about it, you're like, okay, there's a lot of unanswered questions here, people. And there's a lot of experiences that right. people have. Haints. I mean, how many stories of haints did we grow up with? Tell people what haints are. A haunt. Haunt. Haunted. Yeah. Haint. Um, and people would paint their front porch this specific color of blue. Mm-hmm. That, like, it's a robin eggs blue. If you, I don't know if you've ever been on mm-hmm. an old farmhouse porch mm-hmm. and it's painted robin eggs blue because that's supposed to keep the haints away. Mm-hmm. Um, sage. Sage. Um, there's a lot of things. I know. And... Rosemary, thyme, and sage by your garden door. Uh, these are things my grandmother taught me. Things that you grow together around the house to protect the house. Right. I it's, we've lost a lot of that. Yes, and you know, I, I, we live in a very rural area where a lot of people still live this way. And I would they love. They don't know why they live that way. But I would love to have maybe a thread started somewhere, Scott, where people can share some of these antidotes that they grew up with oh. and we can kind of preserve them because it's a dying art and people don't even know that this is information that their generations back gosh how far we're going back into bce here with this information that has well, been passed on the closest thing that i could imagine as far as a written text on this would be the farmer's almanac and nobody knows that algorithm. You know that. Right. Uh, well, they know it, don't they? I don't think they... I think it was set into motion. Right. And it's perpetual. It I is. don't think they know either. But, I think it's set into motion. But as far as if somebody wants to get a book and go read... It's like the Mayan calendar. I think that it just perpetuates and then alters slightly, but then those altering slightly things come true. timed. Well... The problem I have with the Farmer's Almanac is there's nothing explaining it. If you don't know what it means to be in the head or the chest or the thighs. Well, I can promise you that if you plant 
radishes in the head all you're going to do is have tops you've got to plant the radishes when they're in the feet so you can get some radishes right you know and why that works uh, but it does and you can't plant anything until after easter right you you can get your you can plow your fields of course but you can't plant anything seeds yes but you can't put it in the ground till after easter well i planted a garden a few years ago and again my mother was very adamant she's getting this calendar out and she's looking nope can't plant this until here can't plant that and she was very adamant about it even so much we have cattle and when it's time to wean the calves uh it's got to be in a certain sign she wants to do these things based on these signs that's what i wish the farmer's almanac would do i mean yeah you can go buy one every year but i wish it would and maybe it does i haven't really just sat down and studied it but I wish they had gave more explanation. It won't. It, and it probably won't because no, they probably can't. Not now. Those people are long gone. But, you know, we have holidays where we do the charming of the plow and the blessing of all the farm implements. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll um, have another festival that um, would be fertility where you would take the livestock and you would you would bless them and, and pass them between two fires to make sure that they were fertile for the next year so it's just basic rudimentary survival stuff and you're just doing blessings to make sure that you've got food so you live wow well i i do like the idea of what you're talking about If if we had some sort of and maybe that's what you're here for we had some sort of thread or some sort of uh resource we could go to to learn from these old ways, these old traditions, and to pass them on, um, which is interesting. I mean, we're talking about, I mean, even what we're talking about is very much still oral. Yes, it's, it, it's passed on in families. It's like, have you ever been told not to drink out of a spring unless there's creasy greens growing in it? No, I've never been told that. <laughs> I oh, don't know what on. a creasy green is. Watercress. <laughs> Watercresses. I've ate those. I picked those out of a spring. And ate those. I've been told don't. Uh, my papa used to tell me, uh, and for those of you who don't know what a papa is, it's your grandfather. My papa used to tell me uh, after water has passed over so many rocks, you can drink it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's purified. Sure. How much truth is in that? I don't know, but I always, you know, I wouldn't drink out of a creek unless it had a bunch of rocks in it. Exactly. I just wouldn't do it. Like Ustanali, where I grew up over here in East Athens, I would never drink out of that creek. There's no rocks going through there or nothing like that. But you get me up in Reliance and I see a creek going down. There's a bunch of river rock. Well, I'll drink out of that. Uh It goes back to my papa. I don't know. It's all the same thing. It's all the same thing. So how do we find you? If somebody is interested in this and they want to learn more. I'm on Facebook. Angela Wilson. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm in Scott's group. <laughs> Say, y'all, hurry up and join up on Scott's group. And I'm in County there. Citizens' Voices Revealed. Yes. Uh, so if they wanted to know more about Druidry, where would they look? I mean... Not online. I was about to say, online's not a good help. No, because it's very... It's like trying to learn how to be a brain surgeon just by reading Wikipedia Mm-hmm. It's it's just not everything you need to know. So we need to find somebody. Well, and, and based on my conversation with you, um, I need to find somebody who's learned 
and in a lot of the old ways. Yes. And that person may or may not identify themselves as a druid. They may not. They, they may they may not know not. that's what they are honestly they may right. not know that's what we didn't until we got down into the big city right and they, they were like well you know that's what it is and we're like well we didn't oh okay it's just the old ways just it's the just old the, ways and they and that's what our tradition is called we're called wayist you mentioned that earlier and it's and, and wayist means that we follow the old ways you know what's interesting about that is the uh Christianity originally was called the way. The way. Mm-hmm. So you can have the Cherokee way. You can have the way of many, the Christian way, and that basically means you follow the old ways of whatever that is. Well, and what's interesting about that is um, this is another one of my problems with you, with people out there who are who are of the faith and the Christian faith. They'll say things like, "Well." We're a New Testament people. What do you think Jesus was teaching from? He was teaching from the Old Testament. He was teaching from the Torah. He was teaching from the Tanakh. He was teaching you the old way, the original path. His his thing was not this new thing. He even said, I didn't come to destroy the law. I come to fulfill it. And so he's teaching this old way. And so when they talk about the way, it's not this new path that he's laid down. It's this ancient tradition that he was bringing forward and it's funny that here this druidism comes to my comes along recently to me mm-hmm. in my mind it's just all new the way jesus would have been a great druid and that's the the, the story teacher, that yeah. all druids across the world will say um we may not all agree with christianity as a whole um historically well, speaking um but there are things that Jesus said that were very wise, that were very um, truthful well, in helping people. When we started this conversation, one of the things we said is there are eternal truths. There are eternal t- truths. Uh, universal law is what I'd like to yeah. teach. Uh, just, it's universal just a law. universal truth. And that's where I come back to, I, and I often refer to it as a divine truth. Yes, divine truth. That Well, just like with science, there are laws yeah gravity yes and um same thing with people with people and with just truth well i've taken a, a lot of your time we just did over two hours no way two hours and four minutes that was fun my husband's going to kill me sitting out with the young he walked by a couple of times <laughs> did he give me the stink eye from the back of my head no he was taking him in the no restroom. he's used to me listen yeah I've done this all over the world, and so he's used to me. So when you do, when you say you've done this all over the world, do you travel or you? I travel and teach. Skype messages. I, I, I travel and teach, and I've been on the radio in in Europe, and I've done several different shows over there, um, and here in the United States, for that matter. Right. So you can. I'm one of those people. You can really Are you Google. On YouTube? No. Okay. You can Google. So we'll have to Google you. You, you can. Angela so, Wilson Art Druid, and you can Angela find Angela Wilson Art Druid. Yes, and you can find interviews, me. and there'll be yeah, there's yeah. I have to link to some. But of those. all of my training videos that I do are kept internally in my Facebook teaching group okay. because I utilize that tool. Because if I say something in class and they take notes, I want them to have something that they can refer back to constantly over and over again, and they know exactly how I want something done. So well, I have videos on there that I teach. 
if this uh, podcast does what I want it to do, eventually I'll have, I'll do videos. I, I'd want to have a video. I gotta go stand you in a ley line in a vortex and see what you feel. No, okay. How would that work? So, so let's just let's just. I'm talk not me through this. I ain't gonna tell you that. It's something that I'm gonna show happen? you and tell you. So you would take me to a a the, vortex. Yeah. I go in there and I stand. Yeah. And then what? That's I just stand there and you. It's a surprise. I don't want to ruin it for you. I don't want to. I don't want to spell you into thinking one way or the other. That's fascinating that you went back to that spell. Um, well, but I, I just don't know what would happen. I mean, it's not that I'm a. Oh, and nothing's bad going to happen. It's. Well, I'm not opposing anything bad happening. I mean, I've done some weird stuff in my life. I, um, I, I'm just wondering what would I find? What would I learn? What, 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 what? That there's more. Come out of this there's stuff? more around you than what you can see. Oh, I totally believe that. I totally believe that, and I totally understand that. You ever seen those videos where um, there's one video where they say, "Okay, how many times do these guys pass the basketball?" And mm-hmm. they're passing basketballs back and forth, and so you're saying, "Counting how many times it's passed the basketball," and then it comes back by, and they said, "Okay, did you see the dancing bear?" I'm like, what? So they play the video back, and while these guys are passing this basketball, this dude in a bear suit walks out, dances around, and walks off screen. But you never saw it. Exactly. You never saw it because it's not what you were looking for. I've already been out to the car twice. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> I'm kidding you. His, his face went white there for a second. <laughs> the, uh, but that's true in life. They say one of the reasons that the, uh, uh, the Jewish people never saw the, the Holocaust coming along is because they didn't see evil. They didn't understand evil. They didn't see it. They were never looking for evil. Right. And so when it started happening to them, they just, it was something they just did not see. Mm-hmm. And, and which comes back to something you and I were talking about earlier about manifestation. You find what you're looking for in life. Yes. And I may not realize that I'm looking for a toxic relationship, but if all I keep getting into is a toxic relationship, there's something within me that's looking for that. Well, because toxic could be your normal. You know, God, I tell people that all the time. Some people stay in these toxic, abusive relationships because that's the normal they know. Right. And they're afraid of the abnormal, which could be a non-toxic, non-abusive relationship. Absolutely. And for some reason, though, they don't feel like they're worthy of it. Right. Well, now, am I getting into your realm here? Yeah, you're getting into my realm there. And, and I got to say, um, going back to the P&O, uh, Peggy Night Out, I, I think I want to change the name of that because Peggy Night Out seems very inclusive. I, I want to, I mean, exclusive. Yeah. I want to be inclusive. I maybe we should say something like the like-minded dinner club. Or people's Night Out. People's Night Out. Yeah, because... There's so many people Making out there. Friends. Exactly. Just. Well, I'm sure there's a lot of people who wouldn't go because of the name Pagan. Right. So maybe we need to And then to you change. got people like me who went because of the name. I don't know what this is about. But maybe it's. There's so many people here that are not a part of that hardcore. Fundamental. Uh, militant. Fundamentalist. Mindset. And. and 
we feel so isolated, but there's a lot of us here. There's actually quite a few. I think a lot of people, people would, although might not identify with the word pagan, and might have some aversion to identify with the word pagan or druid, if they were to listen to this conversation, the if they free thinkers get to club. know you, right? They would find out that they very much are on the same page in a, in a lot of ways. And uh, my understanding after this conversation is that uh, being a druid isn't so much a theology or a religion at all. It's, it's just, a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. It's it's. A knowledge thing it's learning about the natural world around me mm -hmm. it's learning about the psychological world of other people it's it's very much a study in humanity and a study in the things in nature that that aren't so clear-cut science nature uh, science biology history uh, just everything that you can think of you know we have to know that i'm a druid <laughs> you, you know because you're so diverse in in what you know well thank across you. many levels that you you could technically be called well, that I'm, I'm fascinated by a lot of things in life and um certainly coming back to my roots and coming back to the farm and watching things grow grow and watching animals interact has certainly opened my mind up to for example all these cows moves sound exactly the same to me but they all know who's who exactly you you have that one cow move and here comes that calf or the other thing that's weird there'll be no sound whatsoever none you let one of them calves or one of them mothers or one of them cows get in trouble, and they could be off on the other side of the pasture, and they're all migrating over there. Mm -hmm. it's, they, they know. How they know, I have no clue. They don't have a cell phone. They're not getting a text message. They're getting some sort of signal in some way that they know something's wrong. Um, dogs. Um, it just fascinates me that a dog, if you if you leave your home, and I used to watch this happen with my uh, with my girlfriend when I lived with her in Washington. She would come home at a certain time, and her schedule was always sporadic. She didn't work five days a week. She was a bartender, but her dog knew just a few minutes before she was going to get home because he would be standing there. He'd go sit up on the couch, looking out the window. He knew Danny was on her way home. And it wasn't because of a schedule thing. It's just he knew she was on her way it's home. It's quantum mechanics. I, I, it's something freaky. <laughs> no, it's science. It's quantum mechanics. That's what I'm saying. To be a druid, you have to really get into a lot of heady, really deep. Yeah, that would not freak stuff. me out. It's just, I mean, I understood it. How he knew it. I don't know. But see, how did these people know this so long ago? That's what's cool. Well, That's well, what hurts my head. Well, because they lived with it every day. Yeah, but we, you know. But they, they put labels with on it, it on today. an intimate level every day. Sure. I mean, these people so who lived our, out in the farms and the woods. Ancestors. Right. 
we lived with it every day. And you go back to a lot of these uh, myths and lore and legend from my ancestors from up here in Appalachia. This was a way of life. Now you're going to go back and look at every one, aren't you, a little differently? Oh, I've I've looked at every one a little differently my entire life because I, although I do come from an educated background in, in some regards, there are things that we don't understand and things right. we don't know. And I listened to a lot of these stories and myths that my that are passed down to me that on the surface level sound just stupid. Mm-hmm. But you start digging into it, and you find out, okay, there's something metaphysical, something in another dimension going on here because I just wished the waterline. I can't explain how it works, but I just freaking did it. And see, that's how I teach magic because I do teach magic along with the science. Yeah. I take you out and I show you how to do it. Magic is an abused word. Uh, yes, it is an abused word, um, but for the lack of a better word at this time, right. I'm going to use it for the sake of argument. Um, uh, most of my students are new to this, yeah. Um, except my husband, of course. He's been he's a bard, so um, they're all new. And we went to some place, and it was Halloween, Samhain, and they wanted to see magic. They wanted to see real magic. So we're, we're sitting in a ritual that I really didn't want to be in because it wasn't mine. I don't get hinky with other people's energy. So I decided I was going to sit there and mess with these people um, because they were doing it wrong. And as a druid, you know. You have a certain way of doing things. We're kind of like the Pope if we step in, you know, basically you got to mind me or I'm going to shut you down. That, that's got a lot of power to have, but you got to be humble and, you know, have humility. But at the same time, if you're doing it wrong, I'm going to call you out on it. So they were doing this thing with candles, and um, the thing of it was they had done it wrong. Okay. And and I told my students, I said, watch this. And they were sitting um, the candles from about where my Jeep is or your Jeep is for me and you here. Uh huh. And I said, watch this. And I blew them out from where I was. <sighs> and... <laughs> And then they, 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 they obviously knew that what I was doing. So they couldn't get it light back. Okay. They tried everything to light those candles back after I blew them out. So they brought them back over to me to light. And they said, you can't get these lit. We'll just call them lit. And I said, no, hand them to me and I will light them. And they're like, there's no way. And I'm like, so I spoke the charm for fire and I, I lit them up and all my students just fell out all at one time because, you know, it's one thing to hear it, but it's a total another thing to see it. To experience. To experience it. So, but then again, it's no different to me magic than, you know, when I went to church and perhaps was overcome with the spirit and I was not present in my body. Right. Wow. So just because things happen doesn't make it evil. It's the same. A lot of times we confuse evil with what we with don't understand. What we don't understand. I right. have to agree. 
All right, Angela. Two hours, 16 minutes. I have enjoyed this conversation. Oh, I have too. I wish it could go on. Maybe we'll have to do this again. We'll, we'll see. We'll have to do segments. Because I know in Ireland, they had me back for like a year. I mean, I think it was the most heard show there. Ireland. <laughs> Ireland. I have to get back to Ireland. So if they want to find you, find you on Facebook, Angela Wilson. Um, Google Angela Wilson. Sure. Arc Druid. Yeah, Google me. And she'll find some stuff on there with her. Um, fascinating conversation. Oh, I've loved it. The uh, blowing the candle thing out. Okay, that's a little weird. <laughs> but I didn't experience it. I mean, it's just weird to hear. Well, that's something that can be... Du- See, if it's duplicatable, it's magic. Doing that's it once. Science. Really. If it's duplicatable, it's science, Exactly. Right? So we can interchange magic with science. All magic is is unknown science. Alchemy. Alchemy. Because flipping a light switch on would have been magic back in the day before there was electricity. Well, and there's a there's a huge argument that a lot of magicians back in the day were just simply scientists. They'd found a lot of things. They were showing people, and people were fascinated by it. We saw it as magic. I mean, who would have imagined that you could levitate something now? But now you got these trains that are... Exactly. You know, with electromagnetic... So, I'll take that. you to a vortex, and I'll, I'll stick a candle out and blow it out for you. You know what? Um... <laughs> You know what? I'll do it. Okay. I'll go to a vortex and, then with we'll, you. and we'll do some divination. Maybe we could do some video. We could do a Facebook Live. I'm going to put Scott in a vortex. <laughs> I, I don't know. We'll... <laughs> we'll vote on it. Everybody out there, if you want to you know see what? Scott in a vortex. I will do it. Um, I'm not afraid of it. I'll do it just because I want to find out. I want to see sure. what's to be seen. I want to know. Well, it's not see so much as feel. Experience. There you go. The Angela Wilson experience. Yeah. That's what I want to go through. Oh, wow. That's flashing. That, there's back. your podcast. Yeah. Angela Wilson experience. <laughs> Let me check it out. All right. Tell everybody bye. Bye. Well, there you have it. It was me and Angela sat down for two hours and talked. I hope you learned some things. I certainly did. And I hope maybe some of you Christians out there have opened up your mind a little bit and said, hey, a lot of the things that she's talking about, I'm familiar with. Now, keep in mind, I am going to post the link to that podcast with uh, Rob Bell. I believe it's Pete Rollins. I'll have that in the show notes. You can link over there and find out how the Druid influenced Christmas and things of that nature as well. Hey, if you got questions for me about upcoming or about previous podcasts, you know, you got some questions, you want some follow-up, shoot me a message. Get in touch with me. If you got somebody that you think, hey, Scott, I'd love to hear you sit down and talk to this person. Let me know. We'll make it happen. All right, you crazy kids. Talk to you later. Bye.